Hello, and welcome to Polliver, a BMX podcast with Chris Doyle. I'm doing this podcast because I have a lot of friends in BMX, both as riders and in the industry as well, that have very interesting stories, and I'm going to try and get those stories out to you, and hopefully you enjoy listening to them. My first guest is one of my very good friends, Mr. Chris Bennett. Chris is a guy that I really looked up to a lot as a kid, and then eventually through me being a pro bike rider, uh, eventually Chris and I got to be really good friends, and uh, we've had always a, a good relationship, and he's certainly somebody that has had kind of like a, a turbulent career, and he doesn't ride professionally anymore, but he's still really, really good on a bike, even though you may not see him as much anymore. Um, nevertheless, this is my interview with Chris Bennett, a good friend of mine, and I really hope you enjoy it. <coughs> All right, we're doing it. Rolling. Yeah. Um, so I'm here with Chris Bennett, um, a guy who I admittedly had posters of on my wall, and uh, later on, um, through my journey of being becoming a pro bike rider, Chris and I got to be pretty good friends. We were eventually roommates and uh, Chris has a pretty interesting story coming from uh, a small town to kind of make it to the big time or, or what I would consider to be the big time in BMX and uh, I'm just going to sit here this evening and, and talk a little bit with Chris and uh, get to know his, his story a little bit so Chris thank you for being my test bunny for being my guinea pig and, Absolutely. and bunny is that what you say bunny? Test, test bunny test yeah. bunny okay um, and uh, yeah thanks for thanks for doing yeah, this yeah yeah no problem happy to do it all right. Well, I guess we'll start at the beginning. Um, Hit me. You're originally from <laughs> Titusville, Pennsylvania? Titusville, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, uh, raised, not born, but raised, yes. Born in Portsmouth, Virginia. Portsmouth, Virginia. I thought we were going to bring that up. Um, well, I just want to let the people listening know know that I know a lot about you. Okay, there you go. So, um, but you, only, you don't have any memories of living No, there. I don't. I think we moved when I was two, so Titusville is all I got. All right. There. So, yeah, let's not even talk about Virginia. Next, Virginia. Um, for those people that don't know Pennsylvania geography, Titusville is just like kind of a speck. Yeah, it's on on the Pennsylvania map. What would you call it, like northeast central? Uh, it's what's well, northwest. It's I always just say it's near Erie. That's that's kind of what kind of hones people in to where it actually is. It's about forty five minutes south of Erie, which is right on Lake Erie. Um, it's actually a pretty central location to like Cleveland, Buffalo, and Pittsburgh. So uh, that's an odd way to describe it, I know, but like, it's literally perfectly in the middle of those three cities. So um, it's up towards Lake Erie, but it's a very small town. Uh, it's a tiny town. Very tiny. Yeah. yeah. Not much going on. Um, I don't even know how. Like, it, how would you describe Titusville and growing up there? Mm. Because I I drive through these little tiny Pennsylvania towns, and I can see, I put Titusville yeah, 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 along absolutely. with that. Um, and I always think to myself, who lives here? Yeah, Who yeah. came from here? <laughs> Definitely. Well, yeah, it's all, I mean, if you want to go to a movie or like a mall or, you know, a, a chain restaurant that isn't McDonald's, like you're, you got a good hour drive in any direction. So, you know, there's not a whole lot going on, especially as a kid. You know, obviously there are bars and things like that for the adults. But uh, as a kid, there's, there's not, I, I shouldn't say that, there, there's not a lot of the more conventional things to do, but we, we, I mean, we had a blast. I mean, you're growing up on four-wheelers, riding dirt bikes, because there's obviously just miles and miles of, of woods. So I had a very, like, 
Huck Finn style <laughs> upbringing, you know, like damming up the creek and like playing in the woods and things like that. So, I mean, I would consider it an awesome place to grow up, you know. Obviously, you hit a certain age where you, this place is boring, there's nothing to do, you know. But like being a small child, it was really, really cool to, you know, out my back door was just woods for miles and miles, you know, cornfields and woods and things like that. So, well, that, that kind of, uh, takes away my next question because I was going to be like, how do you get into BMX? Yeah. yeah. Well, Being... oddly, so not to interrupt. Um, I mean, I was into it just kind of in the way that everybody is, right? Like a board on a block type thing. Obviously, I think everybody did that with like the Huffy they got. Um, but Titusville oddly actually had a BMX track as well. It was an NBL track, which is pretty weird because I think at the time there were only, I don't, I want to say six or seven maybe in the whole state of Pennsylvania. So it was actually kind of weird that Titusville had one. You know, it was like Erie. I think Pittsburgh had three or four. There was one out towards Philly. Um, I think Woodward had an NBL track at the time and a couple other ones. But, you know, again, it was it was pretty just happenstance that Titusville had a BMX track. So that really obviously kind of is what got me into it. I started just going down to the B. It was It was... It was kind of, it wasn't one of these tracks that was restricted and had a fence around it. I mean, you could just go ride at any time. So the more and more serious I got about, you know, riding around, hitting the curbs and hitting the, the board jumps, we eventually made our way to the BMX track and just rode it for fun. And I think I was 12 years old when I actually started racing BMX. So that's what kind of got me in, you know, it took me from being the regular kid that hit the, the jump in the driveway to actually being into the sport of BMX was actually having a track in town. Did any big nationals ever come through Titusville BMX track? There were no nationals. They had a state qualifier every year, you know, um, but no, there were no national races there. Okay. It's funny to hear that Titusville had a BMX track because yeah. it's, it's such a tiny town. And I, I always think that when, uh, like my, my wife is from Johnstown, yep. which is it's another a, yep. uh, tiny I mean, John, on the map. Honestly, comparably though, like Johnstown's so much bigger than Titusville even. <laughs> you know oh, what really? I mean? Yeah, okay. yeah. But, you know, not to... Not to kill Johnstown's thunder, but it's, no, it's, no. I mean, it's pretty cool in the grand scheme compared to Titusville. <laughs> I remember that track, though. That was a sick track. It had uh, the waterfalls. Yeah, dude, Robbie Morales <laughs> always talks to me about that. He's like, dude, so you, yeah, you, back when Denise and I first started dating, yeah. she told Robbie that she was from Johnstown. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He's telling her about the track. About his, how, how good he used to ride at that track. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, oh my of God. course, yeah. The, the waterfalls, I'm like, why are you telling my wife? I owned the waterfall. Yeah. yeah. They did have a national, I believe, at Johnstown. But yeah, those waterfalls, man. It was funny because the Johnstown races, you could always tell who the locals were. Oh, okay. You know, because like at the state qualifier every year, all the fast guys that went there you know, there was like a home field advantage because they knew how to take the waterfalls, you know, which I was gotcha. just this weird, literally it was just a one whole straight. It was just like every 12 or 14 feet, it was just, it dropped like two or three feet. You know what I mean? So yeah. do you double them up? Do you manual them? Everybody had their way, but. How creative. Yeah, the locals would just float right through. <laughs> Sesney talks about the waterfalls. Does, yeah, that's, that's folklore. PA, BMX folklore, the waterfall of Johnstown. Um. Now, were your bikes always pieces of shit? <laughs> yeah, we're going to jump to that. They were. Um. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but the first couple photos I saw of you, I was like, man, this dude's bike. Yeah, they were always pretty ragged. I've never been that good at working on my bike. To this day, um, I don't work on my bike. I mean, I don't do it at all anymore. I just take it to Mike Cottle at the bike shop. <laughs> but back in the day, I would I would kind of take a crack at it here and there. But yeah, I was never, I didn't have the patience, you know, I, I was, I'm a very, 
kind of impatient person, I suppose you would say. And, you know, the, the time <laughs> it takes to kind of tweak and dial in a bike, I just didn't have the the patience to do it. So, you know, I would I would always have the best of intentions, but it never I never was able to dial them in too well. Um, yeah, I, it's like I said, I, I've never known you to have like a dialed bike, yeah. even as like a full sponsored rider. It's like, <laughs> I man, think it's they're like, even worse then, actually. <laughs> <laughs> just because I'd get new shit so often and I'd like try to put it on. Can I swear? Oh yeah, you can swear. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd get I'd get new stuff so often, so I, you know what I mean. When when you're sponsored, you're you're switching stuff out a lot more often. Yeah. You know, back in the day, I would just I'd get it, and you know, eventually somebody would kind of dial it in for me, and it, it would it would last a little longer. But then when I got sponsored, it was over because new stuff would show up. I'd be like, ah, oh, this is cool. I got to put this on, and you know, I didn't want to wait for someone else to do it, so I would try it myself. <laughs> so it, it kind of went downhill as the sponsorships came. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, when. Uh, at what point did you start going to Pittsburgh from Titusville to ride push? Um, I, I think I was 14 or 15, probably 15, when my mom would take me. Your mom took you to push? Yeah, she would take me, like, drop me off on the weekends. And at that point, I would usually stay at uh, Dan Lockman's house. Um, who, he, was, he was a local at push at the time, and he was, he was a year younger than me, but he raced as well. And uh, I would stay with Dan or eventually started staying with Stig as well. But, yeah, my mom would take me before I had my license. And then when I turned 16, it was over. I don't think I went to another Friday of high school once I got my license because <laughs> it was just me and my friend Bert would just, in the morning, my mom would leave for work and we would leave for what she thought was school, but we would jump right on right on the highway and go right to Pittsburgh for the weekend. And that's like a two-hour drive? Two-hour drive, right? yeah, two-hour wow, drive. That was pretty good of your mom to be taking you to and from Yeah, Pittsburgh. yeah, no, she was very supportive, yeah. She took me, I mean, it started out with the races, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then even when it turned into me being a spawning into a, a trail rat, <laughs> you know, my mom was, was very supportive and would give me rides and things like that. So it was cool. We, me and again, my friend Bert, um, who was probably, you know, my closest friend growing up and riding and a couple other guys, we'd load my mom's car up and head down for the weekend. So. Okay. So when you were, okay, let's say you're 16 years old, <coughs> you're going to Pittsburgh every weekend. Mm -hmm. What year would that have been? That would have been like, like 95, I think. 94, 95, yeah, okay. I was born in 78, so, yeah, 94, 95, right in that time frame. And is that when you started, like, really developing a lot of skill? Yeah, like, so before then, I mean, we, so, we did have a track in our town, we had some older racers, but as far as, I guess, back then it was kind of just, you were either BMX or you were freestyle, so, anything on a freestyle kind of level, we had no one to look up to in Titusville, you know what I mean, like, we were just... You know, we had magazines, obviously, but, you know, there was no older guys doing cool shit that we had to, like, watch and emulate or whatever, so we didn't really know what the heck we were doing. I mean, we'd see, you know, tricks in magazines. We wouldn't really see what kind of junk, you know, back then you didn't really even have videos, you know, <laughs> you know, all the yeah. kind of dating myself, but um, it was BMX Plus, Ride had just come out, but, you know, you would just see, like, photographs, so we would just try to do the tricks we saw in photographs, but, you know, we didn't realize sometimes they're jumping doubles and things. you know we're, we're hitting the the tabletop on the first straight at the bmx track trying yeah. to learn all these gnarly tricks you know what i mean so you know we went to Pittsburgh. we started going to pittsburgh because you know we would always go there for the races um and then there started to be all these whispers about these push trail these crazy trails you know that were within you know riding distance of the bmx track at south park and uh eventually one day we went there and it was it like our world was flipped upside down. We were just like, oh, my God, this is a whole new... It was literally like, you know, 
the guy that saw the Grand Canyon for the first yeah. time. Like, we could not believe our eyes. You know what I mean? Like, did those dudes embrace you pretty quick? Or, um, or did you have to, like, kind of... They did. I mean, they had... The push guy, it was funny, because... Well, I'll go back a little bit to try to kind of lead up to this. So, it was weird. It was really weird. So, so there, the, the PA BMX scene at the time, you had Erie, and you had Pittsburgh. So, Erie was, like... Troy Lee designs, like, you know what I mean? Like, neon, <laughs> like, the race dudes, right? Like, cycle crafts and all that stuff. And, like, just, you know, neon yellow, neon pink bikes and all this gnarly stuff. Like, you know, the, the Oakley Blades, you know, like, the whole, that whole getup. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you go to Pittsburgh, and they had already kind of embraced the whole, like, bowling ball helmet, flannel shirt, you know, rusty S&M homes. Like, so this polar opposite kind of spectrum of influences that we had, you know, from, from going to these races. And we were just somewhere in the, in the middle because, you know, we, we liked those guys. We, you know, we liked everyone. We were just kids, we, whatever. Like, any older guys racing, we thought were cool. Um, so, you know, we were kind of this, like, mishmash of the two, you know. I think at one time I had, like, a cycle craft with, like, you know, neon stickers on it with, like, an S&M <laughs> crossbar pad. You know what I mean? Like, we were just like, what the heck are these kids doing? You know what I mean? But I think the, you know, the push guys had a pretty, I think just because their trails were so gnarly, everybody thought they were like this, these hard asses that would just be jerks to everybody. But I mean, they were, they were really cool. You know, I think they kind of got a kick out of us all at first. We were just like the kids from the hick town. You know what I mean? Like we didn't think we had accents, but whenever they would emulate us or, you know, talk, you know, do our voices, it'd, it'd have like a Southern draw to it. Like, really? They'd like make fun of you? No, not like being from Titus. It was endearing. You know what I mean? They would. Yeah. I mean, but they were, they were cool about it. We never felt like they were, they, they were all very nice people, you know, very accepting. Um, but again, I, I think they just got a kick out of us because we were just okay. like these redneck kids from the middle of nowhere that had no freaking clue what was going on in the world of BMX. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, Corey Muth used to go up to yeah, Bush, yeah. Uh, and he'd come back, and he would like tell us these stories uh-huh. about like, oh, so and so threw a shovel at this guy, and they threw dirt at this kid. Yeah. <laughs> Some dude showed up and was disrespectful, and they like pissed on his bike or something. Like they'd say like all this. So there was like this stigma. Like I'm like, oh my god, yeah, yeah don't yeah, mess yeah. with like any push locals because they're fucking dicks. And then like we went to like the Christmas Classic, uh-huh. and all those dudes were there. And, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They kind of were dicks. And yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess you could say. I mean, they were all kind of clicky. Like they, not clicky, but they just had their own crew. And mm-hmm. they're the more you got to know them, though, I think the more you realized it was just shit talking. You know what I mean? It was, it was more in good fun than anything. I don't right. think they were. I mean. Uh, that whole push crew to this day, you know, I'm still friends with a majority of them that, that you know, and even the ones that I'm not, it's just because we've lost touch. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, they're all great guys, but yeah, they were, I mean, they were 14, 15, 16 year old kids that were basically the coolest dudes in the, in the scene at the time. You know what I mean? So, they, you know, I think they probably had a little bit of an edge to them, but. And they knew that other people sweated them. No question. Yeah. yeah no question about it. Cause I mean, their trails, like again, at the time, I mean, I think there was posh going out East, but back then that might as well have been the east coast and the west coast you know nowadays with nowadays i keep sounding like the old guy but, you know with the internet and instagram and every you know posh and pittsburgh and bethlehem it's a it's a day trip but you know when you're young and there's you don't have that connectivity on the internet like that was the other side of the that was the moon yeah. you know what i mean yeah so nobody really knew about posh in our neck of the woods so push with that was the be all end all you know yeah. what i mean um oh that's awesome um so your bikes are piles of shit. Yep. You're, you're running push. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, 
you started to get a lot of coverage in like these uh i don't want to call them underground videos because to like to me like being on the east coast these were like bibles like yeah, 1201 yeah. uh the push videos mm -hmm. like bent forge broken bodies and also tweakers um, <coughs> and then a couple fbm videos that yep. were coming out at the and time. a lot of the props videos at the time too, uh yeah the props had the the one uh the I think it was the Pittsburgh scene report, but it was, yep. it was just like a push jam. It was the kill push yourself jam. Jump the kill jam. yourself jam, yeah. Um, and you had a ton of footage and all this, and like, for the most part, everyone's doing a lot of tricks and everything. But yeah. like, we noticed you right away. We're like, whoa, that dude's pretty sick. Like, he's doing a lot of like cool no footed can can yeah, tricks, yeah. Uh, like a lot of like no foot, like no like swing legs, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. countless other tricks. And we're like, wow, that dude's really good. And you kind of became like like an underground hero yeah. to us. Keep going, and, man. I'm uh, digging this. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, well, I need, you know, he doesn't have a, a good bike. I don't have no, a good no, bike. No, no, like, close, yeah. We're a lot like Chris Bennett. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I, I related. That was, yeah, these days you do that on purpose. When did yeah. you start riding dirt jumping contests? Um, the first one I entered was, it was South Park at the, you know, back then they were at the Nationals. Yeah. They were at the races. I think it was 95, I want to say. Was it the one Joey Garcia won? Joey Garcia, single jump. Yeah. Yeah, you come, you came off the third, or out of the second turn. You'd have to actually jump the tabletop in, on the track, and then you'd just turn off the track and hit this big, like, 30-foot double or whatever, you know. Um, but, yeah, 95. 30-footer? It was, it was big. They were big back then. They got smaller over the years, huh. honestly. Um, back then, they would just give us these big singles that were just god-awful because they were built that day, you know what I mean? So... <laughs> I mean, yeah, we had a blast, you know, but by today's standards, I don't think, you know, these guys would, they wouldn't ride them, I don't well, think. Well, yeah, that landing, <laughs> the landing looked like a pile of dust. It literally was a it was pile like of dust. It was like squirrel trying to Well, again, dude, it was, they, they, they pulled the, you know, they pulled the bobcat over and built it that morning, you know what oh, I mean? Wow. Like, it was just kind of like, yeah, throw two piles of dirt and smooth them out, let's do this. Do you remember what place you got in that contest? I think I did pretty well. I think I got second. I think okay. It, I think I did pretty well. Um... I think it was second, yeah. I can't. Did Joey Garcia win? Joey Garcia won, yeah. Um, yeah, so that was the contest that... So after that, I think at the time, it was Chris Stevenson was working for S&M. Actually, a couple of different sponsorship opportunities. A few, one, a few opportunities came up after that competition. Just from that one contest? Yeah, I mean, not spawn, but just like, hey, we want to hook you up with a bike, you know what I mean? That type of thing. Um, and I had that, I think that, so yeah, what did I say that was? 95. So yeah, I had been hanging around the push guys for quite a while at the time. And that kind of, you know, migrated over into the, they actually had a really cool relationship with all the, the FBM guys over in Fort Wayne, uh, Indiana. So, you know, I had gotten to know those guys as well, like Stu and, and Crandall and Mike Tag and all those guys. Um, so that whole circle, Colin Winkleman. Um, that whole circle was kind of, you know, it was kind of this Midwest scene. I, I call it like the 1201 crew, you mm -hmm. know, it was kind of like Fort Wayne, Dayton, Ohio, Pittsburgh. Um, so between the, it was Jody Donnelly was part of that, uh, Jody Donnelly, uh, Colin Winkleman and Chris Stevenson after that contest all had talked to me about kind of hooking me up with some, some product, you know what I mean? Uh, Colin was with DK, uh, Jody with Bully. And Chris Stevenson with S and M, so it, it was cool. I mean, obviously S and M was kind of the the grail, right? Um, well, that's kind of what I'm going towards my next question. Yeah, here. yeah. Like, uh, so there you are. You're already our like underground hero, and then you get on S and M. Yeah. And we're like tripping out because yeah. we're like that that trail kid with the shitty bike is running for S and M. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. 
And and S and M to me um, was a super California brand. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was. Yeah. And it's uh, kind of like a quote you just said. Like California to me might as well have been the fucking moon. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, I'm like, so we were like, oh my god, that dude's on S and M. Yeah. Like that's. It's like you said, the holy grail. Oh of, yeah. Of I mean that was. And I think it was maybe a, a contest or two later. You were at, I think it was the Christmas Classic, and yeah. you're wearing the full S and M leather. Full leathers. get up, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like holy shit, it's true. It's, <laughs> I don't remember how I, I got yeah. information back then, but like, we're like, oh my god, he's at, he's on S and M, like yeah, he's yeah. wearing the jersey and everything. We're like, that's fucking sick. Yeah, I, we, dude, I was. I don't want to romanticize it too much, yeah, no, but I mean, like that was that it. meant a lot to like me and my friends. Uh-huh, like, yeah. It kind of gave I think a lot of people on the East Coast, a lot of trail kids, like, well, maybe you can right. do something. Yeah, no, S and M. Same for me, man. Like that was that was the grail. That was like, and you're right. At the time, I don't think they had anyone. A lot of their guys I didn't know at the time. Later, found out were actually from PA, but they, you know they'd all moved to you know Mike Griffin and oh, a yeah. lot of those guys. But in my you know. I can. I didn't know they were from PA. You know, Dave Clymer. Those guys were a lot of PA guys. But you know, by then they were all California guys, right? Oh yeah. So at the time they had nobody like based on the East Coast, and I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like, wow, you know. So and it was Chris Stevenson who's from Toledo, um, and him and Mike McHugh were real tied into S and M. I honestly have no idea how or why, but so that was kind of the connection there. You know what I mean? So they kind of pulled me out of this little again twelve oh one crew. I said, hey, you know, I'm going to talk to the guys back in California. We're going to hook you up with a bike. You know, would you be interested? And me being 16 years old, trying to play it as cool as I could. You want to ride for S&M? Just like, oh, my God, I'm freaking out. You know yeah. what I mean? And I felt bad, too, because I was at, at the time, it was, you know, like, Jody and Colin were two guys that, you know, again, hanging out with the push guys, you know, the more and more I did, the more I got to actually ride with some of these guys that I had, that I had looked up to, you know, Um you know, I felt bad. I didn't know what to do. I was all of a sudden like, holy shit, like, I'm going to bum some people out if I don't take this <laughs> off. Or like, oh, my God, I just want, you know. But there was no question it was going to be S&M. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, that was just, that was, you know, that, again, just that was the grail. That was it, you know. It had to be so hard with all those sponsors just wanting you. Yeah, oh. you know what, man? It was a tough life, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I going to take the free bike from, you know? Because at the time it wasn't much more, but that's it. You yeah. Know? I mean, they... they they put your name in the ad or whatever. Who cares? You know, like that's that's all that mattered. You were just psyched to be associated with that that company. You know. Oh yeah, I, like I said, I don't want to like, I don't want to romanticize it too yeah. much. But yeah, it, it like meant a lot to like all me and my friends. Yeah, no, and it probably was, just, like a lot of people up and down the East Coast. Yeah, like, holy I think. shit, that dude. And I was young, you know, and that that was that was '95, and that that was a crazy year. That was the that was again I. 1201 is kind of like my North Star when, I, when I'm thinking of all these stories. So I call that the 1201 summer. Um, and Great this, summer. Yeah, excellent summer. Because that was the year, that was the summer that, that Mike and Stu filmed that video, primarily, you know. And uh, so much cool shit happened that summer. I mean, you know, that's when I went to Fort Wayne for the first time, met all those guys. That, that South Park competition happened. Um, I remember Mike Tag was in the X Games and he blew his knee out and he, like, asked me to ride for him and... Just like, you know, just so many overwhelming cool things happen, you know, and like they wouldn't let me, obviously ESPN wouldn't let me. Um but You wrote in it the next year. I wrote it in, I was invited the next year. Okay. But that year Tag was invited and, and he blew his knee out. He's like, Oh I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to these guys, I'm gonna let you ride for me. I was so I was just psyched that he wanted me to, you know what I mean? Um but again that didn't work out. And I think Scott Yokolette couldn't ride either and he wanted Chuck Ground Chuck. 
was also, you know, part of the push guys. So we were trying, you know, we, we had these like kind of backdoor ins, but ESPN was shutting it down. Back then they were called the extreme games. That yeah. was the only year they called them the extreme games. But, well, that would have been awesome if you had been in that one. Yeah. That would have been like the big single that, you yeah. know, <laughs> just oh, yeah. pedal your ass off. But yeah, I ended up in the next year, 96. Yeah. I remember seeing that on, uh, on television that was like with the big uh the first set had the huge <laughs> rut that jump was insane like i would be i'd be nervous to hit that today you know what i mean <laughs> like it was just this gnarly roll in and at the time when you know competition you never really had a roll in you're just pedaling through a field at jumps for the most part so all of a sudden they build this crazy roll in and the first set and I, i'm trying not to like exaggerate it but it was a good 28 29 feet you know it like, looked and big. it was a fucking curb <laughs> like the lip was just you know what i mean like just total curb and like you said it had a rut in it because again these jumps were built like day, maybe not day of but like you know in the in the previous few days and I, these guys got it dialed now right like dave king and all those guys like they got the process down but back then there was no process about it it was like just let's put some dirt down water a little bit and slap a shovel and you know run them let's do this you know well they instead of fixing the rut they just took spray paint spray paint it so you could see it yeah, yeah. so yeah. you could see the like i was like just fix it yeah just. no no fixing no they weren't doing <laughs> they weren't they, doing it and that, that was probably in part due to because I, I think some of the riders were just like no the rut's fine as long as you hit the rut you're fine you know what i mean <laughs> but people it was i mean there were people dropping there were big names just dropping out like i'm not jumping that i can't ride it because i think it, what what freaked everybody out was when robbie hit it the first time oh i don't know if you've God, seen yeah. that footage the front flip the front flip dude as long as it was he overshot like the whole landing and just dead sail over the bars and i think that freak because you know it's the trail boss right so <laughs> when the trail boss just mangles himself first run i think that freaks a lot of people out you know well, yeah, they on TV, the guy pulled out, like, a credit card or something. He's like, you can see that the yeah. rut is only this Yeah, ESPN wide. played it up like it was on purpose or something, you know, like it was an obstacle course. Yeah, like it was that like, part of the challenge yeah, yeah, exactly. of doing that. I, I want to say somebody 360 that thing, but I... You serious? I, 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 I'm pretty sure someone did. I can't say who it was because I don't remember, but... I know Jimmy LeVan landed standing on his top tube and then hit the next set, like, oh from his top tube. It was wild. Wow. He put... UGP at the time had these stickers. Um, they, they were made out of like, uh, it wasn't grip tape, but it was a very similar, like, you know, kind of texture to a grip tape. Okay. And it just said, it was the UGP. They just said UGP. And, you know, people put them on their cars or whatever. And I remember Jimmy got one from, I don't know if it was Ronnie Bonner, but someone from UGP and put one on his top tube at the top of the roll in all You know, I mean, he wasn't trying to be dramatic, but everybody's like, what's, what's Jimmy doing? What the hell are you doing? You know what I mean? <laughs> And, uh, and uh, he was putting it on his top tube so he could land standing on his top tube on that set so he'd have some grip, you know what I mean, for his <laughs> shoes. And he did it. It was wild. I mean, it was he one of those things it? that he pulled it, yeah. Oh and I don't God. think I don't think anybody on ESPN, you know, half the people didn't know what the hell he was, what, they didn't even notice it, but a lot of us were freaking out just because just jumping that thing was a you know, feat in and of itself. I couldn't imagine jumping 28 feet and landing on my top tube. <laughs> no, me neither, right? Yeah, it was wild. Jeez. Okay. Oh, Wait, we're flowing right along. This, yeah, doing, doing, doing all right. All right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, at some point, like I always figured that you lived in Pittsburgh, anyways. But yeah. eventually, you moved up to Erie. I PA. did. I never back then. I never actually lived in Pittsburgh. Everybody kind of associated me with those guys, just because that's where the kind of the 
you know, any sort of coverage that I got was in Pittsburgh with the guys from Pittsburgh. You know what I mean? Because yeah. obviously there's no, no, not much going on in Titusville. So, you know, everybody just assumed because that's, that's who I was hanging out with and going everywhere with. What brought you up to Erie? Um, so Erie was right after high school. Um, what did bring me to Erie? Oh, oh I, I went to college for a semester. Oh, of course. That, that's yeah. what took me to Erie. <laughs> I, I nearly forgot that I went to college for a semester. Um <laughs> Yeah, it was a it was it was one of those make everybody happy decisions, you know, like all right, fine, I'll, I'll go to college, you know, because everybody you can't ride bikes forever. And mm-hmm. I, not that I was getting paid at the time, I think I was making maybe a couple hundred bucks a month or something. And to me, that was that was it. I'm done, you know. <laughs> Life is figured out. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm good. Um, but yeah, so I I went to college to a college in the area that was like nearby. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, and they had a pretty good young scene in Erie because Erie had a racetrack so Erie had like a really cool like trails you know trail style not that they had a bunch of good trails but like they had a good group of young riders that were real into like BMX and trails if that makes sense like racing and trails you know what I mean there was always like trails was always the hybrid of the BMX kids and the freestyle kids you know what I mean so there were kind of two different types of trail riding I guess you could say um but Sesney in particular was like kid who and at the time Mike was like 14 or something you know what I mean but like I was hanging out with him a lot at races and things like that, and uh, like his, you know, he kind of, he would come to Titusville and his parents would drop him off and he'd stay with me, just kind of like I had done in Pittsburgh, and uh, so yeah, I, I decided to go to Erie. The college was there. I had a couple friends that I could move in with up there. We got a house. I, I went to college for one. Technically, was enrolled in college for one semester. Nice. Um, I barely ever went, but you know, I got that kind of out of the way. And decided not to go back, but that kind of took me to Erie, and I ended up staying there. I ended up really liking it and staying there. Well, yeah, you guys built those huge yeah, trails. We did at Jim yeah. Winchell's house. That's when we built Jim's house. Yeah, so he had, and Jim is a, a wild guy. I don't know, you know, how how well everybody knows Jim out there, but <laughs> <laughs> Jim's awesome. He uh, so he had his parents had all this land. Um, you know, behind their house, and he, again, these kids were so, everybody I went and hung out with, I think I was, well, I mean, at the time, I felt old, I was like 19, you know, 18, 19 <laughs> years old, I thought I was, you know, the, the grandfather, but these guys were all like 14, 15 year old kids, you know, and behind Jim's parents' house, they had all these, this acreage, right, and, uh, <clears throat> and Jim's just always the type of guy, like, to this day, just like, let's just do it whatever we can do it. we can do anything let's do it you know and i'm like yeah this, this trails look we can do this crazy stuff here and we were coming into a time then where again like push was you know push was kind of good we, we started to become aware of posh this was like the whole late 90s like trail style became a thing you know what i mean like you know, flow and jumps and just turn downs, tabletops, things like that. That started to become a thing. You know what I mean? Before it was, you know, when I first started riding, it was just like, let's just see how many fucking tricks I can do. You know what I mean? Like, I was <laughs> leave the ground and throw a bunch of shit around before I land. I was very inspired by Chad Harrington in the early days. Like, you mentioned, like, all the kicky, you know, yeah. swing leg stuff. Chad Harrington and Ride On was, like, direct inspiration for all that oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, his part was insane. Oh, my God. I watched that video, like, every single because again there weren't a lot of videos back then but i did have that one vhs every day so like all those early tricks that i did like directly from chad harrington wow you know what i mean um and a lot of them if you go back i don't know if people realize like they were completely stolen (laughs) you know what i mean like a lot of the stuff i did back then that people were really psyched on it was 
I mean, he, you know, just shit that I saw him do on a fly out <laughs> on those trails in San Diego, you know? It's insane how high he was going and yeah, just yeah. landing Yeah, right flat. to flat. It's yeah. so crazy, yeah. But I watched that every day. Like, that really inspired my riding. But So that's what I was doing at first, and then this whole... I can't remember when it was. And even Push. I mean, Push was a really good set of trails. But at the same time, they were kind of poppy. You know, they put you up there. You'd still do tricks there. You know what I mean? Um, it had, like, that main eight-pack where everybody would gather around, and it kind of just lended itself to, to doing tricks. So, you know, we would ride there, and, and people would do a lot of tricks. I, less so, you know, back when I lived in Titusville, we'd have, like, a jump or two. So it was all tricks. You know what I mean? Um, but we'd go to Posh, or Push, rather, and... You know, you could have fun without doing quite as many tricks, but you, you know, there was still a decent amount of tricks going on at Push. And then I went to Posh with Stig, and a, I think Stig and Chuck and a couple of us, maybe Poonjab, and uh, it was just the, these long, mellow, you know what I mean, like low, not all of them were low, but a lot of them were, you know, that, that's, we kind of coined the term Posh double. You know, we'd go home and call everything, everything that was long and low, we called it a Posh <laughs> double, you know what I mean? But it kind of like, it kind of like, introduced the the whole concept of like riding trails without doing tricks you know what i mean because they were just so fast and like berms and you know you're staying low and you just don't need to do tricks yeah. you know you could ride a whole day without doing any tricks you know what i mean which was was a new concept to me because you know i'm from titusville right like all we have is a single jump in someone's field or whatever and, and that's fun for 10 minutes so you gotta start trying tricks on it yeah. <laughs> to keep yourself entertained you know what i mean so going to Posh was really like, wow, like there's a whole thing where you don't even really have to do many tricks, you know what I mean? And, and then you see someone like Robbie Ride or like Gower and Lonegren were like, again, that was, they were like, when I saw those guys ride for the first time, those two, were, th- that changed like a lot for me. You know? You're dropping some good names here. Oh, dude. Oh, they were like, Keith Gower, Jay Lonegren were the, the first time I saw those guys ride, I was like, wow, this is different, but it's fucking good. You yeah. know what I mean? Like... They, I don't like. I don't. I don't think I've ever seen it, either of them do like a trick, quote unquote. You know, but they were just just the way they would flow. You know what I mean? Like, I, and you know, you, it's when you see like someone like Aiken or Chase Hawk ride now. But like, the way they flowed through the trails was it was just new to me. You know what I mean? Like, I had never. I didn't know how to describe it. Like, what, what's this? What is this? It just looks really fucking good. And they're not really doing anything, but they're. They're moving around, but it's not forced. It's natural. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, it, it was just me seeing style for the first time and flow. That's and a special moment when you oh, see and dude. can recognize something like, whoa, why does, he's not doing anything, but it looks really good. <laughs> it looks really so good. damn good, yeah. Dude, side story here. When I, I was riding Gravity Games, um, probably back in like 2002 maybe, yeah. um, and Aiken was in the contest. Mm-hmm. My mom flew up to watch me ride the contest, yep. and she's watching practice. She pulls me over. She goes, Chris, this guy over here, yeah. he's not really doing a lot of the tricks that everyone else is doing, but... I really enjoy watching yeah, him yeah, ride. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I was like, my mom yeah. just, just picked out the most Dude, stylish I've, guy. No question. I've had people say the same exact thing to me about Mikey. Yeah, just like, wait, it's just different. when he, what, like, what, what is it about it? It's just different, you it, know? She was like, do the judges like that? They, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't think the judges get it yet. Not often enough, yeah. But it was like a few years later, everyone's like, oh, yeah, he's the dude. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Everyone else caught on yeah. to what my mom already knew. To, yeah, yeah, Barbara <laughs> knew it all along, right, exactly. <laughs> um but so, yeah, that was my first introduction to it, going out there and seeing Keith and Jay ride was just like a whole other, it's like, wow. And that's know, what inspired you guys thing. to build the big, yeah, flowy so, transit. Yeah, so, well, it inspired me. Those guys hadn't gone yet, you know, the, the Erie guys. But I came, I moved to Erie having gone there and like kind of, and it was really cool because 
those guys, again, they were very like racer orient, like Cessny and Jim Winchell and all the, you know, it was all, I feel like you can tell who grew up in the town of the skate park and who grew up in the town of the BMX track. And it, right. it's preference, yeah. you know, I'm not saying one's better than the other, but, you know, at the time I was just very, you know, especially after having gone to Posh recently, I was just very into that whole, that, you know, the style thing, the flow, the racer style thing. And that's what Cessny and Jim and those guys were just like, you know, they were just untapped, <laughs> you know, these, this new blood of just, because Cessny's like that. I, I, you know, people ask me who my favorite riders are. Cessny's at the top of the list. He's one of them, you know, because it's, again, it's, it's, it's style and flow, but it's not full. You know, there's a lot of kids now that try to look stylish. And oh, yeah. Not forced at all, though. It's just such a good flow. And, uh, yeah, so I had gone to Posh, and I moved to Erie, and I saw these guys kind of, you know, they reminded me of younger versions of, of the guys that I had seen out there. And, and, you know, not that that was, I mean, Chuck was doing it too, and, and Robbie and stuff like that, but just seeing those guys on those kind of trails, you know what I mean, that just really kind of opened the door for me. And I was like, all right, yeah, Jim's land, it's got this hillside, and, again, Jim being the, the crazy bastard that he is, like, oh, I'm, I'm, and again, he's, I think he's 15 at the time, 14. Like, oh, let's go rent a bobcat, you know, and, you know, like, Jim always takes it kind of the next level, I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, let's do it, let's rent a bobcat, okay, I didn't even know you could do that, but I'm in, you know, so we rented a bobcat, and we built these trails, and I don't know if you've ever built trails with a bobcat, but your sense of, like, how big things are when you're building it with a machine are way off from when you're building it with a shovel, you know, because you're building, like, just entire sections in, you know, a day. So we're just firing up piles. And we're like, yeah, it looks, that, that looks about right, you know. And then we, you know, so we rent the Bobcat for a weekend or whatever it is. You know, get stuck a bunch of times. And uh, we have all the piles. I'm like, okay, now all we got to do is shape them. And when we go to shape them, I was just like, this shit's pretty, pretty fucking big. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and again, like when you're in the machine and you're doing it, I mean, we weren't measuring anything. We're just like, yeah, whatever, that looks good, you know. So when you're in a machine doing that, like it's really hard to, kind of keep control of how big you're building things and they ended up, they just literally accidentally ended up being enormous well that's funny i never even thought about that if you're building with a machine i'm a hardcore i've always built yeah with a yeah, shovel, yeah 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 you know? your core exactly um, i you know, sold shovel out and a rake. i sold out early on yeah uh, but i never <laughs> thought about that if you're building with a machine and you're just like able to put up a whole section yeah. in an hour. Right, like, right. That's just got to totally throw off. Well, plus, your... exactly, when you're building with shovels, like, usually you build a jump or two, ride it, right? And then, like, after a while, you build the third one. So you kind of know what your speed's going to be like, and you kind of compare it to the th- second one, maybe make it a little bit bigger, right? But, like, when you're building it all at once, it's just like, ah, no, this looks good, yeah. you know? So <laughs> needless to say, those jumps just got... <laughs> ridiculously big but they all worked they all worked and they were actually incredibly overshootable because i mean we just built them right down the side of the fucking mountain like we didn't try to weave across it was straight down the hill like this will be cool you know well you and i went out there in like 2001 after they they hadn't ran in like a couple years two years maybe yeah yeah yeah. and you and i went out there and you're like yeah let's ride them yeah (laughs) yeah but nothing was formed everything had leaves on it and sticks yeah yeah. and we just swept everything aside you're like yeah we can hit these yeah and it just worked i was like oh my god yeah i mean they're the scariest yet easiest trails of all time you know what i mean um but it was crazy man because i had so again like my crew was just these this group of like 14 15 year old kids and like they were just right that's all that's all they knew right like again posh is the moon pittsburgh's the other you know whatever and uh 
so they just get used to gym's trails, right? So these young kids, and I remember I, I was like, all right, guys, we're going to take a weekend. You're going to get permission from everybody's parents, you know? And we all went out to Posh, and they're all freaking out nervous, you know? Like, oh, my God, we're going to Posh. God, are we, we going to be able to ride anything there? Like, you guys are going to be able to ride everything there. Like, your shit's bigger than Posh, you know what I mean? Not yeah. that Posh is you know what I mean? But, like, your stuff's gnarly, guys. Like, you you can probably go anywhere you want and ride. Like, you're fine, you know? And we show up there, and I remember all the guys, they were just like, who the fuck are these little kids Bennett's bringing? Like, you know, says he's like 14, literally flowing everything at Posh. And everybody's like, who the hell are these kids? He brought these young kids from Erie, and they're just riding everything here. You know what I mean? I was out at Posh shortly after you guys visited. Yeah. And Sal was out there. So. Sal, was Sal. Sal was freaking out. He's yeah. like, you know, brought all these kids out here? You know, brought all these kids? They're just riding everything. Those fucking little kids just riding everything, man. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. I remember he said, Sal said some shit. He's like, I gotta, I gotta make this shit bigger. Got these kids coming out from here. They're just riding everything. I can make this shit bigger. <laughs> now I gotta rebuild the trails. <laughs> he, he talked about go- He went out to gyms. He did. He did. And he said he walked in. He was just like, nah. Yeah, he turned nah. around. Walk- he's like, pass me by. BMX has passed me by. <laughs> you know Sal, he's all, oh, Sal's great. But yeah, he turned around, he like drops his bike, starts walking away. That's it. I'm old. I'm old. It's passed me by. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> he was probably like 28. Yeah, yeah, right, right. At the time, he was such an old guy. Yeah, he's literally 26, 27. That dude's almost 30. He's, yeah. fuck, he's old. God, he's ancient. Um. Oh damn, that that explains a lot about Erie. I I yeah. like what you said about the bobcat. Like that totally oh, makes sense. Oh, dude, yeah. And not was... knowing how to gauge distance. They and... were huge. I mean, I'm talking just even now by today's standards, they'd be huge. I mean, they're they're on the level of like a Hazelwood. Si- I mean, they weren't nearly as dialed, and you know what I mean. But like, they're on that level as far as size goes. Yeah. You know. Huh. Um. So you're living in Erie. You're riding big trails. Um. Not really doing a lot of contests anymore, from what I remember. Yeah. And then you quit S and M. I did, and I, I was did. like, "Why the fuck would anyone? Why <laughs> yeah, would? Why yeah, would yeah. Like he is S and M. Like you had the that, well. Um, <laughs> I think it was Losi told me, and maybe I'm wrong about this. Someone was telling me that your frame at the time on S and M, yeah, um, was like the highest selling signature frame. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The and, frame did really well. And this yeah. is back when only like. Yep. Taj had a signature mm. frame, or, or yeah, like me and Taj, yeah, yeah, yeah you know, it is, but uh, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Only like a select few, not every yeah. dude that turns it's like pro. Me, Taj, Hoffman, you know. That's, yeah, that's and you it. had the yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, you're. Fra- I'm joking. That was a joke for podcast land. I'm smiling as I say that. Uh, no, these people are going to take you seriously. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, your your name took up the whole yeah, okay, down tube. Yeah, that wasn't my choice. Chris I got Bennett. So much shit for that. From head tube <laughs> to bottom bracket, just <laughs> That was not my intention. Oh god, I got so much shit for that. Now, hey man, I god, I, I feel bad. I can't remember his name. It was the designer at SM. Very good designer, but. The graphic was cool. Hey, people, like whatever. It's sold, right? <laughs> I got a lot of shit for it, though. Did it have a Liberty Bell? It had a Liberty Bell. Um, okay, I got a lot of shit for that as well, because that's Philly, yeah. and I was from the western part of the state, but I always had this weird... I, I just wanted something cool. I wanted something to do with Pennsylvania. I don't know why I was so headstrong about the Liberty Bell. Um, my rationalization was that there was a Pennzoil plant in Oil City, which is like 10 minutes from Titusville. I was like, Pennzoil's logo is the Liberty Bell, and their main plant's right by my house, so it works. You know what I mean? Like, I have no idea why I was so married to the Liberty Bell at the time. Uh-huh. But for some damn reason or another, I really wanted that Liberty Bell on there. Unless you were from Pennsylvania, you really didn't know. No. Like, uh, that. Yeah, 
I didn't even really think about it until I moved there. I'm like, wait, like, what's this bell? Philly's yeah. on the <laughs> other side of this. Yeah, yeah, state. yeah. That's true. So it worked, you're saying? Yeah, it worked. Ah, I got you. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Barrett had one. Oh, nice. He had a tan Did he one. keep the stickers on? Uh, yes, he did. Nice. See? Well, yeah. They weren't that bad. I think it was dialed, too. We had some sick new stickers ready to go, but then I quit. Why did you quit? Um, oh, wow. Just hit me with it. Well, dude, <laughs> people are probably wondering. Um, I don't know. I think I just kind of felt that it had run its course. I was, in hindsight, there was probably no reason to quit. I, I, I remember being a little bit offended, which is weird. I, I always joke that I'm, like, impossible to offend. But at the time, some stuff was going on, and it was funny because, again, in hindsight, I was probably... Got like 21, maybe 22, or so. how old would I have been? It was 99, I think, 2000. So yeah, I was literally 22 years old. Um, but I started like aging myself really quick. You know what I mean? Um, Do you say aging or gauging? Aging, like thinking I was kind of older than I am. You know what I mean? And I remember when I first got on SNM, I was like the young guy, and I remember some comments like, "Oh, the new," you know. Chris's favorite, the new young guy. Flavor you know of the mean? month. Yeah, flavor of the month. And I was a young guy, and some of the older guys were like, oh, you know, because whatever, you know, that's that's how it goes, right? Um, but then I remember a couple a couple things happened where like I wanted to go to this, I wanted to go to a contest in Utah, something Behringer was putting on, and uh, this this was literally the day I quit. So. And I, I had started feeling like that, and I don't know why. Like I felt like the salty old guy, and there was some new, new, new blood on the team. It was like Rob Darden, and there was someone else that came on at the same exact time. Baker, Adam Baker. That's yeah. exactly who it was. And I uh, loved those guys. I had no problem with those guys, but I just kind of felt like those were the new. You know what I mean? Like I saw them, those guys doing a lot, and I, I asked. And again, now, now I have like businesses, and I know how things work, and it was probably just a budget situation, but. Yeah. I called to go to this contest where uh, the Behringer was having. I was like, hey, I want to go out to this contest, you know, can I get a ticket, whatever. And they were like, ah, oh, it's just not in the budget. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't think we're going to be able to make it work. And I was like, oh, shit, all right, well, you know what, I'll just fucking drive out there. Like, you know, I'll just save receipts, get some gas money and stuff. And like, ah, oh, yeah, we're probably not going to get you on this one. It's just, you know, it's shit's tight right now. And, and like, that, that's probably the end of the story. It was probably just tight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Again, now I own businesses and I totally understand stuff like that. But I was 21 years old. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, just I remember thinking to myself, like, well, you know, I bet if Adam Baker wanted to go to that, you know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. not, again, there was no like resentment towards those guys, but I just felt like I was kind of, and again, I was 21 years old, but I, I was like, fuck, man, I'm like the old guy now. That, that like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm well, not, I'm not the priority anymore. And like, in all fairness, Baker and Darden were like winning. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. <laughs> those guys were badass. Like, they were, they were great. You know what I mean? I'm just busting your balls. No, absolutely. I wasn't. And then, well, you mentioned I wasn't even, like, really riding competitions at the time. And uh, I don't know, man. It it, it was honestly a little bit out of character for me to up and quit because of something stupid like that. But I think at the same time, I was probably just ready for a change, too. You know, it had kind of, again, I I think it probably had run its course a little bit. And I'm kind of antsy when it comes to a lot of things. You know, like, I I move a lot. I buy new cars a lot. You know what I mean? Like, I just... I'm not good at getting stuck in a rut, I think. So I now just you mention it, yeah. You, yeah. D- you do switch things up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I switch it up, right? So I don't know. I, I, I just again that, that that feels like it was a stupid reason to quit. But I remember I called Chris that night and I was all like, all shook up because I was actually pretty really close to Chris. Um, I didn't. I know we'll get into this later, but like I didn't drink at all the whole time I rode for S and M, and like that was kind of they were known as like the party company, right? So like 
usually when you went to California for an S&M trip, you'd stay at the HB house, but that was kind of gnarly. So, I, you know, I'd stay at Chris's house instead. And, uh, you know, so I'd gotten to be pretty close with him. So it was a hard phone call, you know. And uh, Well, yeah, I'm sure. It's like we talked about. That's like, that was the holy grail. Yeah, was, yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, it was one of those, like, I can't believe I'm doing this. And <laughs> honestly, I have this rule now, like, anytime I get kind of upset or emotional, like, I at least sleep on it and try to wait at least 24 to 48 hours before making decisions. Had that rule been in place, I may have never quit S&M. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I just remember getting that, and it was Strelecki at the time who was, you know, the deliverer of the news, Tim Strelecki. He was just like, yeah, man, it's just not in the budget. They're not going to approve it. Like, I remember just being like, well, fuck this, you know? Like, damn it. Like, I used to call and get a ticket anywhere I wanted, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's a, and I, again, had I slept on it I, I doubt i would have quit but yeah the they time, don't send you to one contest and you just i was out man <laughs> yeah i was i was diva status i guess i don't know i thought i was i was hot shit so well yeah prior to that you were going i mean uh you were going to a lot of contests yeah like, it i seemed mean like every contest had some chris bennett footage and and uh now that i'm thinking about it um were you one of the first guys to be spinning both ways at dirt contests because i remember uh some dudes were road tripping um from Pittsburgh down to Florida. Mm-hmm. They were from Florida, but they were like coming back and they stopped at our trails in North Carolina. And the one dude's telling me, he's like, yeah, we were at that, the dirt comp in, in, uh, in Pittsburgh, the, uh, one of the, I don't know, not the play contest, but no, it was I the DK was dirt circuit. Dirt circuit. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I remember it. Yeah. Um, it was the sand boss. Do you remember that guy? The sand boss. He's from Colin Florida. styles. Exactly. Wow. If I'd have thought of it like that, that was muscle memory. Like, if I'd have thought of that for five more seconds, I wouldn't have been able to think of his name. But dude, like, you got it. Nailed I it. nailed it. <laughs> um, Colin Stiles was at our trails, and he's like, dude, Bennett was spinning one way on one set and spinning the other on another set. Yeah. I'm like, you're kidding me. That's impossible. <laughs> no one can spin the opposite direction yeah. on a dirt jump. Like, it's one thing, maybe like flying out or something, like you yeah. can spin both ways, but I was like, that is impossible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, were you one of the first guys doing that? I think so. I mean, I don't want to sit here and make claims. Um, yeah, let's not make any claims. But I, I had heard, I hadn't seen it, but I heard, I think, maybe Crandall talk about Tag do, Mike Tag doing it. Oh, really? Yeah, because Mike Tag was, he was kind of like, Chad Harrington was the initial, you know, inspiration. And then Mike Tag was kind of the more refined inspiration. Right? He was actually landing on landings and things like that. That dude was um, good. Tag, Tag was, was, he, was good. he was up there in yeah. line, you know what I mean? Um, oh, there it is. Sorry. That's all right. Um, so, yeah, I had heard Tag had, uh, you know, I didn't think of it on my own. I had, I had heard that Mike Tag, I don't know if I, he had done it or he had tried it or something. Fort Wayne had this jump. It was a, basically a fly out. The in and out it was called. <sighs> I dreamed of riding the best thing. jump. You could learn anything <laughs> on it. You know what I mean? Um, but someone had been talking about tag trying it on the in and out or trying it or doing it. I'm not sure. So I just and it was funny because I had actually I'm not sure why, but I spun goofy footed to begin with. You know, I was spinning into my front foot. So when I went to try opposite 360s, it was actually the way I should have been doing it to begin with. So it kind of you know it was. In that sense, it was a little bit easier for me, I think, than, than others. But yeah, I had, the idea came from, I think it was Crandall talking about Mike Tag doing it. Oh, wow. It. Yeah. Me and Biz used to talk about that in and out jump. Like, how bad did you oh, want to ride that so thing? So good. <laughs> so good. Um, all right. Well, so what was the gap between you riding for, I know when you were on SNM, you were riding for Demolition. I was, right? yeah. Um, what was the gap between SNM and getting on volume? 
Um, I think it was a couple months. Uh, that was funny. That was a really awkward situation, honestly, because like, <laughs> it's like, you good? No, I'm totally okay. good. Um, I'm just switching it up here. Castillo was like the other woman, you know. Like everybody <laughs> thought I was. Everybody thought that was so planned. You know what I mean? Like, oh, Castillo stole him from Vol or from S and M, and you know what I mean. This whole thing is going on, and blah blah blah. Like I and to this, like I swear to you, like none of Brian was one of the last to know. Like I think Brian might have called me and, and said he heard in like a magazine or something. Honestly, um, but yeah, like everybody thought like. It's like, oh, when's 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 it gonna be on volume? You know, like this this is coming, and, and eventually it did, obviously. Um, but yeah, so I I did nothing for a while there. I'm trying to think. I want to say I got a frame from I, I think Terrible One hooked me up with a frame. I think they did. I think Joe and Taj gave you a barcode in between there. How cool would that have been? Yeah. Would be, oh man, if you were on Terrible One. Yeah. Joe yeah. Rich, Taj, Chris Bennett. Yeah. I think I got I'm, Cam Nichols is in the room and he's yeah. like nodding like yeah, yeah that would yeah. have been bad. Is that, that yeah, is that am I up there? Am I on that? Yeah, is that are we doing this? Um You know what? I think I bought <laughs> I think I bought the fucking the terrible one. <laughs> I All did. Right. So it's not as cool. Or maybe that's cooler. Maybe that's that's more badass. That's right? pretty hardcore. Yeah, you... I was like, fuck it, you know? I think I did. I bought the terrible one. And I think Joe gave me a bunch of shit for it, you know? Okay. Like, are you seriously did you seriously buy one? Because I've come pretty close with those guys as well. Because Joe was another one of my childhood heroes. But yeah, I bought a barcode and I'm pretty sure it was at Section 8. Cause they had a shop there. And I remember Steve Luckett at Section 8 was just like, we got this new bug. You know, it was like, I heard you quit. You know, what are you going to do now? You need a new bike, whatever. So he's like, we got this barcode. Give you a good deal. And I, I was like, yeah, let's do it. You know, so I did. I bought a barcode um, and put it together and rode that for a little while. That is pretty hardcore, actually. To yeah, like how I roll, you know. I just whatever. bought a, bought a new buying frame. one. I don't need no help, you know. I don't know how the hell I afforded it in hindsight. <laughs> but, yeah, I did. I, I bought that barcode. It was, I think it was a navy blue barcode. Um, and then, cause at some point, I can't remember. I remember the conversation. I don't remember how it came to it. And I remember. I don't know if you know, you know anybody who knows Castillo knows how he is. And he, it was towards the end of a long, because, again, I was writing, like you mentioned, I was writing for Demolition already. And at some point in the conversation, he's just like, ah, shit. Uh, all right, so you want to ride for volume or what? <laughs> you know, it's just like this very like we all knew it was coming type. Th you know what I mean? Like, and I'm like, shit, yeah, man. He's like, come on, you knew, you know, we knew this was gonna. Like, all right, he's like, let me let me see what we can do for you. I'll call you back, and he called me back, and it worked out. So. You you had a quote in in Ride in the magazine that was like, I did not quit S and M for for volume. volume. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I I quit I quit S and M, and then there was a yeah. couple times yeah, there was a, yeah. a space in between and. You were like, I know how stuff gets started out there. Yeah, out there. But, uh, well, listen, I'll get. If you want me to get real, real, there's a behind-the-scenes story. We we want you to get. <laughs> Do really you want me to real. get real, real? Because I feel like, to some degree, all right. So before I quit S and M, so this is almost what what everybody thought happened on volume, almost happened for another company that Brian was going to start called Classic. Okay. He was going to start a bike company through Tip Distribution, who did Primo, called Classic Bike Corporation. I hope he doesn't mind me telling everybody this. Holy shit. <laughs> and he asked me to ride for him while I was riding for S&M. And this was... So he had came to... He had come to 
I guess it was Titusville at the time, to film me for S&M Video 4, and I'd never met him. And we did this road trip with my friend Bert and my friend Vander and, and Brian, and we just got, you know, we hit it off. Because him and I, again, Brian rode for S&M, he was hired to make the video as well. We were the only two that didn't drink, on the, we weren't the partiers. It's funny how, how much that defined you back then. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like now it's, you know what I mean? It's, it's weird, but you know, we were, we were kind of the, the, the black sheep of the team, but we just hit off, you know, like him and I, you know, to this day, still good friends. And, uh, so we did that trip and, and whatever. And we, um, probably a couple months later, two or three months later, he called me. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna start a bike company. Uh, it's kind of on the downloads through tip distribution. Um, but you know, I'd, I'd like you to ride for it. And I don't, I don't remember exactly how it went. But I was like, yeah, man, I think I'm down. I think they were offering, like, some money or more money than I was making or something like that. And, you know, I was into riding for Brian as well. I was psyched on it. It wasn't just all about the money. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but I think I rode for Primo at the time. This was before Demolition. You rode for Primo? I did, before Demolition, yeah. Oh, jeez. So it all made sense, whatever. And I called Chris, told him this story. And Chris, like, he got really upset, like, pissed off. And I think he thought that Brian, I think he thought this was like a preconceived plan where Brian was going to use the S&M dime to travel around and like recruit for his new team. Oh, shit. You know what I mean? Whereas Brian and I just happened to kind of hit it off. And then a few months later, he decided to start a bike company and he called me. But I think it all got kind of, t- and so that's when you mentioned what I said in that magazine, that, that's kind of what I meant. That was kind of the story behind what I meant there. Because I've always felt bad. And to this day, like, Castillo and Chris ended up having some beef. You know, anybody who's seen Road Fools 4, (laughs) (laughs) you know. But I feel somewhat responsible because I think, you know, it really pissed off Chris that Brian asked me to ride for that bike company, classic bike company, um, while I was riding for S&M. I can see both sides. I can see I can too, absolutely. I mean, it it was innocently Brian... I don't even think he knew he was starting a company when he met me. You know what I mean? But, like, several months later when he decided to, I think he's like, oh, I was pretty stoked on that Bennett dude. Like, I'd be into having him on the team. I'll give him a call. You know what I mean? So, like, he, the introduction was made on an S&M trip. You know what I mean? But it wasn't, like, this malicious, like, back channel. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to start this company. You're going to ride for it. I'm, I'm traveling around recruiting. Chris is paying for the whole thing. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't – there was no, like, malicious intent anywhere to be found but it did it looked bad you know what i mean just like a lot of coincidental timing yeah yeah coincidental timing again it's like the other woman types you know what i mean you you, you get a divorce and all of a sudden the next day you're with this other chick you know what i mean it's kind of like everybody's like okay what's going on there but so in that sense that did kind of happen what everybody thought happened with volume kind of did happen but that i think it discouraged brian to the point i think he was bummed to the point where he just didn't do the classic thing um well, right, he had a couple uh, irons in the fire, right? He was going to be part of Metal. Him, metal was him and Jimmy LeVan at first, yeah. yeah. And then Brian fell out of that somehow or another. I, I have no knowledge to speak to that story, but I do know that they were involved. Yeah. And then it was going to be classic, and then that thing just kind of fizzled. Again, I think because of all the kind of turmoil that <laughs> arose after he asked me to ride for him, and then eventually he just went up and did volume and... And again, but you know, when I did finally quit S and M, it had nothing to do with volume. You know huh. what I mean? Well, I appreciate you getting real, real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know story. how often. I don't. I almost forgot that story to be honest with you, but that's great. 
Yeah, that's, that's some, that's I mean, some behind the scenes cool. stuff, you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, I, rem I remember thinking, like, back then, to be sponsored, you had to, like, make appearances in magazines mm -hmm. and or go to contests. Like, right. there was no, like, internet. You weren't putting clips on Instagram. Right, right, right. But I remember, I was like, man, I haven't seen anything of Chris in yeah. a long time. Um, I mean, I, I knew you were probably riding. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, you're picking up new sponsors. You get on volume. Um, and I remember actually going and riding trails with you. I, I went up to Erie and you're like, yeah, I don't do a lot of tricks anymore. Yeah. And you were just yeah, riding yeah. the trails, like right. similar to how you talked about riding. I was just going to say, yeah. You're like, I don't really do any tricks anymore. Yep. Like, no tricks? You have like this deep bag of tricks. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, yeah, don't really do it anymore. Yeah. And then uh, all of a sudden, you, uh, I'd moved in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were living together. And you're like, I'm going to start doing some tricks again. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Yeah. And I remember going to the trails, and you're like, and it got really annoying. And uh, it, since, we're, oh. since we're keeping it real, it got really, the honesty. It got real <laughs> annoying. Because I always did a lot of tricks yeah. when, I, when I would ride. And I kind of knew what my stuff looked like. I knew, I yeah. didn't have to ask. Yeah, yeah. But you would do oh, like Oh, here we go. Yeah. Yeah. You would do a no foot of can-can, and you'd be like, did that look good? How'd that look? Was that weird? Were my legs straight? Do you remember this? I'm not making this up. No, no. I'd... Um, and then you'd like do like a pendulum. Like, yeah. How was that first note for the can can? Was that like just as good as the second, or was it, was it weird? I'm like, <laughs> dude. Every time you come back up, you ask. You never told me that that bothered you. Or, it didn't. I mean, I I like the. I'm like, man, yeah. this is Chris Bennett. He's yeah. doing fucking a lot of tricks now. And like, it was pretty rad. And uh, the summer that we lived together was 2001. And I'm getting ready to go to the X Games. Uh -huh. And I'm putting these stickers on my bike. I remember this, yeah. Putting my 1-800-collect stickers yeah. in place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you come out and you're like, that's going to be me next year. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make the X Games next year. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. At this point, you hadn't been riding contests. No, no. You yeah. hadn't been. You don't, you'd been well, that was, I mean, it was a direct result of what I mentioned earlier. You know, we were riding those big trails. And, I mean, shit, you didn't do tricks on 30-foot downhill doubles. You know what I mean? So Right. Um, so I remember thinking like, that's nice, Chris. Yeah, I hope cute. you make the X that's Games. Yeah. And then like that next year, you started riding contests again. Yeah, yeah. And you started filming again. And like, it kind of felt like this, it, it seemed like a long time, but it was really only like a year and a yeah, half a of years, yeah. where you kind of gone silent. Right. In my opinion, anyways. No, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because um, I think a lot of, like you can fake it now. Yeah. Like a lot of dudes, you could like go, like have one session. And film like ten clips. Oh yeah, yeah. And your whole month is taken care of. Got a month of. worth of shit. Yeah. yeah so, oh yeah, I've been riding. Well, yeah, no. Back then, you're either if you're not in the contest and you don't live in California where the photographers are, you're not. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. If you're not getting that snap, yeah, Keith Mulligan yeah. sunset sheep hills photo, exactly. Um, Golden hour. Then you're like you're off the radar. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, but that year you start writing contests again. Uh, was that 2000? It must have been 2002. Oh, one was the summer we lived together. I think it was oh one. Right, but it was the next. Like, well, that was the summer that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right. So you had you're getting tricks back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you started running contests that following summer. Can we talk a little about Oceanside or not? No. Uh, let's not even bring that up. <laughs> that was a. That was probably one of the first competitions that that I came back. Right, like my. After having not been in a contest. At all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we were all living we together. Don't have to talk about it. No, let's talk about you it. You want to talk about it? I got 35th. You did get in, 35th. In Park. <laughs> and I didn't, it was like the first final. I 35th. 
uh, 35th and Park. They don't even let 35 people in contests anymore. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> um, well, no, it's fun. Well, let me set it up a little more. Do we have time? Are we going long? Am I good? Uh, no, this is fun. We can go long. We're at an hour and two minutes oh, right now. We're good, man. We, we can go two hours. Um, me, when... Keep in mind, this isn't about me. No, but this is funny. We're, this part is. Okay. So, so this, okay. <laughs> this is when I lived with you and Mike. So, so Sesney, you and myself in a house in Erie, and Chris was always like, he was the contest guy, you know? Mike and I, were mo- we kept it real, you know what I mean? We're, we're digging and drying. <laughs> and uh, so Mike and I kind of, well, Ma- that's when Mike was shredding ramp. Shredding. All of a sudden, this, this trail kid from Erie becomes the master of the, the mega park, you know what I mean? Like the eight-foot wall rides. And, oh, yeah. Um, I remember this was, this was 2001 because it was a month after 9-11 was that Oceanside contest. Oh, yeah, yeah. And... I got Mike there on frequent flyer miles, but I remember I was on hold for literally like eight and a half hours with the airline to like cash in the miles because you couldn't do anything online. Of you course, know what I mean? Yeah. So we all go to this this contest, and there are fu- a couple funny parts about this contest. The, the one was where Mike, well, so I made the finals in dirt. Mike made the finals in park. You didn't you didn't make either, correct? Correct. <laughs> and that was rare for our household, you know, cuz Chris was like the Chris was like the household achiever, right? And Mike and I were just the, we were just at the at the jumps doing X-ups, you know. So I paid my rent on time. Yeah, you paid his time. rent on time. Yeah, yeah, he had those contest winnings, you know. Mike and I were waiting for a next, you know, like a photo contingency or something to, to come in. <laughs> And uh, or Mike was just hoping his parents would give him the money because I think he was still like 17 at the time. But, yeah, he was young. Um, so yeah, he went to that Oceanside contest and he made the, the finals in, I think they still call it street back then, but in ramp. And I remember you and I were like proud parents. Remember that in the stands? Well, you look out onto the course <laughs> and there's like Dennis McCoy, Dave Mira. <laughs> Uh, Ryan Nyquist Nyquist like everyone has their jerseys and a thousand yeah. different sponsors on their helmets <laughs> and there's Mike in a t-shirt applying chapstick <laughs> t-shirt and jeans and a protec yeah yeah like literally just everybody's like who the hell is this guy um, even the the riders at the time like nobody knew who Mike was yet you know what I mean right right and, um, uh, I, I remember like it looked like Dennis McCoy was like introducing himself to Mike. Like, he's, he's shaking hands with Dennis <laughs> like, McCoy. What's going on right now? Yeah, it was like our son yeah. out there on the course. Yeah, and uh, I remember everybody's like, "Who the hell is this kid?" You know, and he drops it. Just foofanoos the the fucking wall ride, eight foot wall. Yeah, yeah. Him and Mira were the only ones using that as a sub box. You know what I mean? And Mike was doing it. Honestly, more so than Dave even at the time. I mean, Mike was like Sprocket 270 in it, Ice Pick. You know what I mean? Like he was just sessioning that thing like it was a freaking sub box. Um, so anyway, back to the point of this story. Chris ended up with 35th. 35th. In yeah. that. And, and I think I entered that ramp. I even beat you yeah, with that. Of yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone beat me. Yeah. <laughs> they may have. <laughs> they may have. I can't imagine at 35th many people didn't beat. Anyway. But then, yeah, you made the dirt final. I made the dirt final. I did pretty well in the dirt, dirt contest. And a uh, whole other side story about Biz crashing in the burp. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but anyway, God. I don't know. T- to wrap it up, we had, a, we had a field day with that. Because, you know, we both beat you, I think, in both contests. 
and 35th is the number that... I can't remember what you got in dirt. It wasn't good. It, I, I was close <laughs> to making finals. You were close to making finals. I think 12 made the finals. Double I, digits still. I was like, still. I was like 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I just remember the, the number 35 haunted you for a while. Yeah. I remember throwing a quarter and a dime down in front of you like yeah. a month or two later. and You being like, what's this? And I was like, add them up, Chris. Yeah. You're like, 35, you motherfucker. <laughs> we would just spring 35 on you however we could. So, we, we you know... We basked in that moment as long as we could. Again, this isn't my podcast. No, this no, is hey, about you. Well, you know what? And yes, I wanted to pull you in a little bit. Um, I appreciate that. But anyways, the biz story, like <laughs> no one could. Phenomenal. Three whip, 360 tail ups was like the only, like if you did that on the last set, you were getting top that three. That was the banger. Yeah. That's like last set, top yeah. three, three whip. Um, biz drops in for his last, last hit <laughs> and three whips the first set. And everyone is like losing their shit. Like, oh my Mind God, blown. A yeah. 360 tail at first set. Yeah. It was a big first set. And he keeps going. All smooth. Yeah. Place is going nuts. And the <laughs> motherfucker crashes in the berm. His front wheel goes over. And he, he, he ate shit pretty hard. He, he went down good. Because there were three sets, berm, two sets or something. Or maybe one set after the berm. But there was a berm in the middle. Yeah. Is nobody berm- even noticed <laughs> until biz had the run of his life going <laughs> biz still talks about that like how different his life could have been yeah 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 that like, was a big like he could have gotten better contracts yep. he could have gotten like the the coveted uh, i don't know the right guard sponsorship <laughs> or well those were big those, that was the van's triple crown so those were pretty big contests yeah. at the time he's like yeah. i probably would have gotten on mountain dew yeah. and, like <laughs> Um, God, when he went down to that turn, I almost completely lost my mind. It's just funny how, like, everyone was going so crazy. And yeah. Then all this, like, elation. Like, oh, my God, he three-whipped the first set. Ooh. And then he just let everyone down. In the like, berm. In the fucking he would have. He could have done an X up on the last set. And Wouldn't won. have mattered. Oh, absolutely. Like, the judges already had their scores it down. It was done. It was a done, done deal. Bank it. Yeah. Done. Oh, man, I love that. Wrecked in the berm. <laughs> <laughs> um... So yeah, but then uh, the next year, sure enough, you made the X Games. X Games, yeah. You were yeah. true to your word, and uh, you made the finals. I you did got make like the fi- I qualified first. You qualified first. Yep, dude. I didn't finish first, but I qualified first. Um, yeah, I think you got like sixth or seventh sixth, place. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But uh, we we were all tripping. I couldn't like, hold it together in the finals. Well, yeah. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. We'll do um, a lot of pressure. <laughs> Well, I guess I don't know anything about pressure. <laughs> that's too inside, huh? Uh, that's too inside. That's joke. a Mark Patosny joke. Um, Patosny knows that one. He probably doesn't even remember it. But yeah, like, <laughs> true to your word. I remember reading, like, uh, they had all the athlete biographies, and, yeah. like, last, er, it was like X game appearances is like 97, 98. <laughs> yeah. And then it was 2003. 2002, yeah. or whatever, <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever it was. It was. Yeah. I was like, wow, like, that's a hell of a gap. A that's like, gap, to yeah. have that dip yeah. and to come back like that yeah, yeah, is yeah. like. That was kind of unheard of back then. Oh, well, hey, you know, that's what um, I do, Chris. Well, don't get cocky because we got a lot, we got a lot of stuff to cover <laughs> all right, here. All right. Um, one thing we haven't covered yet. We're not going to talk about that X Games more. I mean, you know, no, whatever. It was good X Games. I mean, were I you in that one? I honestly don't know. This isn't a joke. I'm yeah, yeah. Like, I, I mean, third. I assume you were. I got third. So you beat me in the finals of that one. Yes, I did. Okay. <laughs> I don't know where you're going. With not this. in qualifying. I'm just curious. Well, yeah. Usually, I didn't like to show my cards. Yeah. See, I showed all the, all yeah. the cards. I was out. I was clean out. I was a contest rider. I knew how to play. Yeah, I did not. 
you know, I could kind of I was a local, though. I lived in Philly then. Yeah, so you're like the local hero. Yeah, 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 local hero. I rode the subway to the X Games to ride. That's pretty bad. That was some shit right there, yeah. Um, That's like an ad. That's like a, you know. Yeah. It's like a DC ad or local something. Local Philly yeah. guy. Get me on the old urban setting, you know. <laughs> <laughs> ride the subway with a butt. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I, I kind of like... And people are going to totally lose us. Yeah, they're yeah. Like, what My are these bad, motherfuckers man. talking yeah. about? <laughs> Inside jokes, left and right. But they're funny, right? I, I, Cam, I they're funny. They're funny, Cam? Um, Cam approves. One thing we haven't even talked about. Uh, Let's do it. S- square One. Square One, yeah, yeah, yeah. You haven't. started Square One. I did. Um, that was your company. Yes. Um, Still is. Oh, yeah. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, but you started it in, in your bedroom. In I did. In Erie, Erie. Pennsylvania. Yeah. And uh, just sponsored your friends who yep. happened to be really badass. Good bike yeah. riders. Um, what was the motivation behind um, starting that? Yeah, this is, this is good. I, this is, I like talking about this. Um, just so coming up in BMX, um, I was always very, and, and my friend Bird as well, we were always very drawn to the, the whole rider-owned thing, you know, the, the entrepreneurial rider-owned. 2B was like a huge, 2B was, I loved 2B. Steve and Hal, like we, we got their zine, you know what I mean? Like we, we idolized those guys. And then obviously S&M and Standard, and then, you know, later on like Taj and Joe and everybody just doing their own thing. It was crazy, you know, because like, not to get too deep into like the whole economics of it, but you know when BMX crashed in the early '90s, quote unquote crashed. Anybody who's seen the beginning of Ride On knows about <laughs> that. <laughs> um, but truthfully, though, like the, you know the big companies pulled out. You know they came back soon thereafter. But it was kind of up to the riders to keep things maintaining. You know, and that's when a lot of these companies kind of spawned. You know, a lot of the S&M was earlier on, but that's when they really got some some more traction. You know, early '90s. Um, 2B, UGP, all these all these really cool companies were, were coming along. So I, I was always really into that, you know. And I guess, you know, to this day, I've always been, you know, entrepreneur type type personality. You, you wrote know? for Play Clothes, right? I did write for Play Clothes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Hal Brindley's company. Hal Brindley. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I just always wanted to do that. You know, I loved what Steve and Hal were doing, and then Hal when he he did play by himself, and uh, all that stuff. I was really into it. So. Yeah, I remember I was living in Erie, it was, it was 1999, and, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what exactly sparked it, but I just always wanted to do some, Bert and I had always done, we had a company called Size 9 at one time, and, you know, we always, we had all these weird little t-shirt companies, and I was like, you know what, you know, I, I've, I had been in, this, in the industry for a little while, I, I kind of, you know, people kind of knew who I was, so I was like, you know, maybe I have a little bit of credibility here, I can actually start something and really do something with it, you know? And I ordered, I remember you could order, uh, it was like a gateway computer, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it was like 32 bucks a month or something. I saw, there was like a commercial or something, I can't remember where I saw it, but I ordered this gateway computer. And it had this very, you know, like paint or something, you know, some, some weird design program that I just designed all these shirts in. And then I also had, I'm trying to think, I, I think I bought, I bought a, it was a TRV 900 that I bought. Yeah, I did. I bought a video camera. I bought that computer, and uh, you know, I started making shirt designs. Started just filming my friends riding, and it kind of like luck of the draw. Whoever had the footage of, <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, you want to be in the Square One team? <laughs> 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 I 
Um, which was, you know, I think it was Mike and Ty were the initial guys. Sesney and Ty Stuyvesant. Sesney and Ty Stuyvesant, yeah. And then, and as you mentioned, they were my closest friends, but, you know, as luck might have it, they were also amazing bike riders. So here comes this, this great team, you know, almost by accident. And then at the time, Mikey Aiken was, he was spending summers in Erie. And he was, he was very young. Um, I don't know how young, 14, 15, you know, in that, in that realm, 16 maybe. So he was around every, you know, he'd, he'd stay in my house. And so, so by default, I got the greatest rider of all time <laughs> on square one. So, you know, it was, it was very kind of blessed from the beginning. You know what I mean? You could have blessed. I'm not someone who's that. that's weird. I yeah. said blessed. Okay. Whatever. Um, you do you, bro. Uh, you say bro? Yeah. You say blessed and bro? Bro was facetious. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, it seems like maybe not in that time period, but years later, you could have anything you put. If Aiken was wearing a freaking clown suit, when oh yeah, yeah, kids yeah. Would... that was the that was the joke, right? That was the running joke. Like, hey, Mike, where where this where some weird shit? Let's see if this catches yeah. on, you know. And it would have, I'm sure. Oh, you know? totally. The whole like girl pants thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think Trista worked at like a boutique and like got them some pants for free or something. And somebody found out they were girls, and that that was it. Yeah, oh, well, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like that everyone in BMX is fucking literally teams. it, you yeah. know. But yeah, so it was it was Ty, Mike, Mike. Uh, I'm trying to think of who some of the other was Wessel one of your first guys. Wessel was early on, yeah. Rode with Nate a lot, and because uh, winners we'd go to Changa in Section Eight, so Nate was around a lot. Um, shit, I'm trying to think of who else. I don't want to leave anyone out, but that uh, was good. That was an awesome team. And you put out um, Up in Arms, yep. Which I don't think ever got as much credit as I as it should have. Yeah, that was. Um, that, I thought that was an awesome. Video. I thought Up in Arms was great. Yeah. Um, but then you you're, you're living in Philly now. And uh, was Derek Adams helping you out a little bit? Yeah, with Square yeah. One? Well, you fast forwarded a few years, but yes, correct. Well, um, yeah, I, I kind of jumped from like the beginning of Square One to yep. like, well, because you always kept it small. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it yeah. was pretty low key. Um, I was still riding, you know, I was still riding was my primary thing. And, yeah, you probably I mean, didn't have a lot of time to focus on no. it. No, I mean, honestly, in hindsight, knowing what the value of time, I probably did. But <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But I did, at the time, I was so quote unquote busy riding. Uh, well, I'm sorry around. to jump ahead like that, but no, 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 no worries. I just um, because w- once you were out in Philly, and and then Derek was helping you out with yep. Square One, probably helping you get like different vendors. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. Like that. I moved out there. Um, I, I had gone out there for a trip or something, and started talking to Derek, and it was just one of those off the cuff conversations. Like, yeah, hey, if you moved out here, we could you know maybe join four, maybe start a distribution company and I could kind of partner up with you and help you take it to the next level and we had this whole like Little Devils kind of like the Hessian brand square one I was always real into like the the cleaner skate brands like drawers and um trying to think of four star was a big one that I you know I I really liked those those skate brands that were just you know I mean kind of clean cut like real clean logos and things like Mm -hmm. that so the idea was for Little Devil to just be the crazy Hessian brand and square one was going to be the more you know kind of honed in refined from you know, from a design standpoint, just a cleaner brand. So yeah, we we dreamt this idea up one night, and, and a few months later, there I was living living in Philly. You know. Yeah. But that I, to me, I think that's when it really exploded. Yeah, yeah, no like, question. It, yeah. The underground always knew about Square One, but sure, then yep. it, it was like once that happened, you added some more team members. Yep. 
um, some kid from Alabama named uh, yeah, some Cor- kid, some kid, Corey Martinez. Some kid who happened to just go on a lot of trips with Wiz, honestly. That's how that happened. Um, <laughs> yeah, Wizmersky, yeah. uh, Biz, yeah. Elf. Yeah. Biz uh, was one of the early ones, too, yeah. But yeah, yeah, Elf. Um, yeah, Derek had the blueprint, right? Like, Little Devil was kind of the, you know, I think at the time it was like Little Devil, UGP, I think Poor Boy had kind of fallen off by then. But, like, those were kind of the two, the two big ones, and... You know, Derek, he knew his shit, he knew what he was doing, and he kind of took me under his wing and, and helped me kind of take it to the next level, you know what I mean? Um, and we kind of partnered up, and it worked out awesome, because I rode for Little Devil, and I owned Square One, and that confused a bunch of people. And Oh yeah, a lot of people yeah, always ask. Like, people's heads, yeah. you know, they can't really, you know, so. <clears throat> but it was great, it was an awesome time. You know, we had Trans Am, and he did Orchid, and we were doing trips, and all kinds of stuff. But yeah, that's when kind of Wide Awake Nightmare came, and it was a good setup, because... Derek had the whole, like, you know, they had the warehouse. They had they had all the business stuff that I didn't, as a 23-year-old professional BMXer, didn't care to deal with right. or know about or didn't have the capacity to know about at the time. But, you know what I mean, he he had that kind of all locked down. You know, had salesmen and all this stuff, shipping department, you know, shit like that. And uh, I just got to go out and, like, recruit riders and make cool videos, yeah. you know, so it was a great setup. Um but yeah, like I'd go out, I'd be, I'd be on my riding trips, and I'd, I'd just film whoever was around. And at the time, Wiz was on the team, and he went on a ton of trips with Corey Martinez, and that's that's actually how Corey ended up on the team. And um, I think Corey had come to Philly or something to hang out with Wiz once, and I hung out with him. You know, really cool guy, obviously. Oh, yeah. Anybody who knows Corey, so like, yeah, this guy's great. And Wiz is like, I, I also have a ton of footage of him. <laughs> you should put him on the team, <laughs> you know? I'm like, let's do it, you know? That'd be great. Um, I hope I'm not embellishing this story too much, but I remember being at your house in Philly, and you oh. were editing yeah. Wide Awake Nightmare at this yeah, time. Yeah. And uh, you went out you can't, to get the mail, come back, and you're watching all this footage, and you're just like, holy shit. Oh, dude, it was insane. What the fuck? And yeah. you had Martinez's part was done. It was done like eight times. And then you were like, I got to re-edit this whole part. Yeah. Like, it was like his last, like, 15 bangers. You're yeah. Like, Chris, look at this. Look yeah. what he's doing. Look at this fucking shit. Like, it, happened. it kept happening. And, Dude, uh, I would just get tapes in the mail from him and him and Wiz. Oh, that's funny. Those parts could have been 20 minutes long each. You know what I mean? And, and they're both ended up being long. But yeah. they could have both been three times as long as they were. You know what I mean? I just thought it was funny how you had to keep going back. I did. Like, I totally <sighs> had to re-edit it a bunch of times. I mean, just, you know, I'm not complaining, but... Well, yeah, imagine if, though, you're like, you know what, fuck it, guys. I'm not putting any more <laughs> Yeah, shit. right? Yeah, absolutely. No, they were just... Dude, they were just knocking it out. And that was a time when, like... That was kind of the transition from... Because we talked, you know, earlier on in the, in, the, in the evening here. We talked about 1201 and different videos. And that was more of the, like, just film what's happening era. You know what I mean? And that was kind of... Almost accidentally, I think, the transition into, like, deliberately filming for a project type mm-hmm. thing. You know what I mean? Um, to some degree. Because, I mean, those guys were traveling, and they were just filming what they were doing. But, you know, they knew they kind of had a purpose as well. And, shoot, those guys were just, yeah, it was just, like you said, it would just show up in the mail. Because, <laughs> you know, they'd be God knows where, in the middle of Texas, riding, <laughs> you know, well, yeah, some like, transition yeah. wall at a church in Lubbock, Texas. Or yeah, Wismersky and yeah. Sherbo. Yeah, like, Bob. Was, they yep, they, they was find out on. about a full pipe in, in Wyoming or something. Literally, yeah. Get in the car, yeah. let's go. Let's do this, let's yeah. Um, but, I mean, at the same time, though, you put out a pretty hammer part, which I don't think enough people talk about. 
the demolition video. Yeah, we can talk about it. <laughs> well, this is about you, man. Yeah, this is a hammer. This is me. Me, um, me. Let's do this. Dude, that was that was a crazy part. Um, Appreciate it. Now, was Glenn PP filming most of that? He did film the majority of that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Glennard. I think I filmed a clip of you. Glennard, yeah. Glennard Skinner. He did film a few. Um, yeah, Glennie Kravitz. Glennie Kravitz, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Side note, there's a guy that's doing some work for us recently. His name is actually Glennard. Glennard, That's really? his name. Like, when you write up a check, it has to be Glennard. And it reminds me of those times because I always called Glenn Milligan Glennard Skinner Glennard or Skinner. Glennie Kravitz, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um. <laughs> no, but I was that that part never got the credit that that it deserved. I was like, man, like that was one yeah, of the that craziest was... part. It's like how you think, uh, like, and I remember you even asking me about the song. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. Like, yeah, Does yeah. This song, are people gonna be into the song? I'm yeah, like, yeah. Dude, that's the song because it yeah. gets real quiet. Yeah, and then it goes into that trail part. Yeah, yeah. And you're well, doing all that's that. I was psyched how Glenn, speaking to Glennard, how he did that, how Glenn did that. You know what I mean? Because I had no input. I just gave him the song and the footage. And I was really psyched how he kind of, you know what I mean, he divided it up and saved all the trail stuff for a certain section. Yeah, and that was that was a classy move. Good job, Glenn PP. Yeah, Glenn PP, shout out. Um, so yeah, I, just, I wanted to bring that up. Yeah. Uh, no, that was that was you know kind of speaking of deliberately, you know, that one I definitely went out and purposely did some stuff for the purpose of filming for that video. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it was around this time, and I don't want to get too. Too oh, crazy, it's but crazy. it kind of turned into party time. Party time, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did it. Can you? Can you? Get... Um. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, that was funny. Yeah, it did. It did. Do, do you not want to talk about? I this? don't mind at all. I don't mind at all. Okay. You? Um. Yeah, it kind of like uh, you were hitting the sauce. A I, well, bit. I did. Yeah. So I didn't. I hadn't. I hadn't had one sip of alcohol until the age of 23 and then <laughs> this is funny because it depends on who you ask biz being the x factor <laughs> it was a friday night in erie you were in australia yeah this is when i lived with you and mike and friday night in erie it was me mike sesney and biz none of us had ever drank alcohol literally ever and i was i believe what was that what year that the ones i was 20 Two, no, 23, 23, yeah, yeah. And, and we're like, what are we going to do? And somebody just jokingly said, like, we should just get drunk tonight. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was just like, yeah, that's funny. You don't remember who said that? It might have been Eric. Oh, okay. And he didn't. You know, lo and behold, he actually yeah. didn't that night. Eric Shower. He eventually gave in, but not that night. Um, so someone, I think it was Sesney, because even though he was the youngest, he was kind of, you know, influential. You know, he was, <laughs> you know. Yeah. He's like, I'll, I'll, I'll fucking do it if you guys want to do it. And everybody's like, you serious? You serious, man? And mind you, we've never, ever in our lives. And, well, I'll explain this part after. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'll, whatever. I was like, I wouldn't, like, what, what would we drink? You know, like, I don't know what you drink. You know, literally, beer, wine. I don't know the difference between any of this stuff. And Sesney's like, well, my buddy, he's like, I do have to admit, I had a sip of my buddy's Mike's Hard Lemonade <laughs> over the summer. He was working on his car, and I, you know, I, I took a sip of his, I was like, oh, well, what it tastes like? And Mike's like, it just tastes like lemonade. And I was like, shit, I like lemonade. Let's, let's get some of that, you know? And at the time, it's like, are we really going to do this, you know? Like, are we, are we, like yeah, shit, I guess so, you know? And I was pretty psyched because 
as mentioned earlier, being on S&M, like, I mean, I had traveled. I remember I went to Europe when I was 17. Everybody's like, oh, this is it. You're giving in now, you know? Like, oh, I'm good, you know? Like, every, <laughs> everybody thought they were going to be the ones to break me, you know? Like, you're going to drink. You ride for S&M. It's a matter of time. I remember I went on a trip with Butler, and, you know, he said the same thing. And uh, who was awesome, by the way. Butler, we didn't mention him at all, but that was my traveling buddy in the S&M days. We kind of skipped over that. But anyway... Uh, I want to, to shout out to, to Butler. That, that was my boy. That's my traveling buddy. That's but, awesome. Uh, the thought of Chris Bennett and Sean Butler. Oh, right? uh, dude, he was. Rad. We were. We traveled. We traveled the world. It was a couple of young idiots. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, we were just like, yeah, you know what? We're doing it. We're, we're doing it. And I remember I went to this <laughs> like six pack shop around the corner, and I bought. And I'm 23 years old, mind you, and I'm buying like two six packs of Mike's Hard Lemonade, <laughs> and I felt like, dude, it might as well have been fucking heroin like i was like oh my god like is it, you know what i mean like it felt so bad and uh i go back to the house I'm like all right guys i got it we like put it on the coffee table and it's just like oh boy we're we gonna do we're we gonna do we're we gonna do we're we gonna do it you know and uh and we were always proud though because no one in that room had ever drank before you know all the people that have told us over the years like they're gonna be the ones to crack us like we all did it you know together without like any outside drinker like making us do it so we drank, we drank all 12 of them, me, Sesney, and Biz. To this day, Biz will tell you he was not drunk. But we each had four Mike's Hard Lemonades. And, oh, yeah, you guys are feeling And none of us had ever had a sip of alcohol, you know. So it, it was pretty funny. We went to a party. We had our friend Eric who was there. He drove us around <laughs> to a couple different parties, and, like, all the sober guys were there. People were freaking out, though. It was funny. Well... Uh, yeah, I mean, I I was in Australia. Yeah, you were in Australia. Yeah. I came back and it's like, well, we drink now. Yeah, it's like everything had changed. It's like, what happened here? Yeah, that's done. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, but you were you were going pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm, I'm thinking, depending on who's <laughs> listening to this podcast, a lot of people probably have a lot of different stories sure. about. Uh, nights out with with Bennett. Oh, yeah, dude, yeah. Bennett was there. Yeah. Oh, dude, Nora Cup. Bennett was there. <laughs> yeah, Nora Cup. Bennett was on stage. Yeah. And like, um, yeah, I got, I did that. Uh, that was me. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you think that? Because after that, I think that your career started to slow down. Yeah. Your, your bike riding That's career. That's fair. That's fair. Did uh, did drinking and partying play any part of that? Is that too personal of a question? No, not at all. No. I've, Unfortunately, it probably did, you know. Um, I was like, even though I was older, you know, older, again, 23, I was like the 17-year-old or 18-year-old or, you know, however old you usually are when you find, like, it was new to me. It was new and fun and this this whole new kind of, you know, whatever whatever drinking is and whatever drinking does. Um, you know, I don't know that it was the drinking specifically. Maybe it was just the lack of maturity. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I know you've always said that you waited so long because you wanted to wait till you knew you were mature enough, you know, because it wasn't, it's not the drinking itself. It's the person who, you know, who, yeah. how you react to it or how you, you treat it or whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, yeah. And as you said, I was kind of on an upswing on my career at that time. Career. It sounds kind of cheesy to call well, it a career, career, but it is. Yeah. You're paying um, your bills. It's paying the bills. Um, but yeah, no, I, I. I, I can't say for certain, but there's probably a good bet that it, that upswing may have continued had I not found the the poison. <laughs> right, know? right. Um, 
I mean, you were in the Dig Straight Edge article. I was. But I in hindsight, a, though, you were also a kid. You were like what, seventeen? In that yeah, article. I was. But I, you know, if you read the article, did you read the article? Do you remember the article? Uh, I was very not word for word. No. I think a lot of those guys are probably bummed on what they wrote in that article. <laughs> I'm sure. And I'm not going to name any names, but I was pretty, I was just like, it was not for me, man. Like, I don't mind if anyone does it. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I was very, and I was all, I was never like, oh, nobody else should drink, you know? Like, my stance was always just like, I just choose not to, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I don't care to, I don't need to, I don't want to. All my friends drank, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't care. I wasn't preaching or, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I chose not to, and then at one point I, on a Friday night in November in Erie, <laughs> I chose to. <laughs> well, um, but yeah, no, that's it's a fair observation that it, you know, it. My riding probably didn't go where it could have. Right. Okay. Because of that. Because of the partying. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and plus, <clears throat> as a as a BMXer, I mean, you have a ton of freedom. Right. Like yes. your Tuesday night could be like you know, a, a random no doubt Friday yeah, yeah. Saturday I mean, night. Right. If the career was different, you know, if I was, uh, whatever, pick any career, it, it may it may not have been affected. But just the fact that, holy shit, this is fun. Checks show up in the mail every month. I can afford to do it. Yeah. I never have to wake up to go to work. You know what I mean? It's winter in Erie. You know, like, it was just too easy, too yeah. fun. It was fun. It's it it, it is fun. You know yeah. what I mean? Obviously, but it's just. You know, sometimes it can come at the ex- and that, that's what I wrote in the Dig article. It's funny as ironic as it is. I remember, I remember the time writing something to the effect of, I've, and this was in high school. You know, because that that's what happens in high school usually, right? Like all the kids ride BMX and skateboard until they start partying, and they finally get a car, like car girls and alcohol, right? Like it's it's, it's that's where most people fall off. And I remember writing in the Dig article, um, I've seen too many abandoned bikes and boards you know, due to alcohol or whatever it might be. And not that I abandoned it, but I think it definitely stunted the growth of any, you know. Yeah, I, th- I think so. And a lot of people, I think, felt that way too. Like, man, like, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, Chris yeah. Bennett. Like, what's he doing? Like, he yeah. can't come riding because he's hungover? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. But uh, I guess that's kind of like a cautionary tale for any young kids. Yeah, no, definitely, just... man. I mean, it's 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 because it's easy to get into, you know, again, you're 23, you're traveling the world for free, money shows up in the mailbox, like, Oh yeah, I see it. I, I, that doesn't last forever, but it's it definitely lends itself to. You're in a cool city every, you know, like whatever. You're in L.A. and you're 23 and you got nowhere to be and nothing to, do, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's just fun, you yeah. know. It's it's too easy, too fun. Um, but even still, though, like I mean, there were still people that wanted you to rock, like still like wanted you to be a part of their brands. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. No, yeah, I didn't, I didn't fall off the map or become a freaking hobo or anything right you know? um but because <laughs> yeah. i remember at one point you did leave volume and demolition or i did yeah it became and again I, I don't know how related this was or was not to alcohol but i became there became a point where and and i i said this recently and i think it was like a vital article or something um I didn't, it wasn't intrinsically rewarding for me anymore to, to progress. You know what I mean? It, like that had always, I never, up until that point, I never got better because someone wanted me to or I felt like I had to. It was just, it was rewarding, right? Like internal, it's just what I wanted to do. I got better because it felt good to get, you know, it was rewarding intrinsically. Um, and that was, that was huge for me. Like that was a big mental 
kind of mind fuck for me. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden it was like I don't really care to go learn the new tricks or I don't want to go do this or that, but shit, I feel like I kind of have to. You know what I mean? Like that that really messed with me. You know what I mean? And and I got to the point where I was like you know, things were going on in the sport and you know, again, and people would tell me this and in hindsight it's probably true, but they're like, "Man, just do do your stuff, man. Like do" and I was like, "Who wants to see the who wants to see the nothing to no for the gang can. I've done that a thousand times. Nobody wants to see the turn down or the the three look back or what. You know what I mean? Like, because I'd see these guys doing all this crazy other shit, you know. And I think street was coming into its own at the time. You know, it became still to this day. But like, street was getting real big at the time. Well, Edwin was pretty hot. Yeah, Edwin was you know doing his thing, and and those guys were they were crushing it. But it was it was a whole new thing, right? You know what I mean? Like. Nobody wanted to see the turn down on the doubles anymore, right? Or not, or so I thought. So you thought, yeah. Right. So I was I had this real crazy like not to get too deep or philosophical about it, but this weird inner struggle about like no one wants to see my shit. Like I got to go out and learn. I remember I was big on like nose wheelies and shit. You know, I took my brakes off for a little while like <laughs> but it was this weird as as funny as it is, it was just I was trying to fucking keep up, you know, and it really kind of it sucks because it kind of ruined it for me. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I wish I had the, like, the mental toughness just to stay the course and do my thing. You know what I mean? But I, it, it was it was a real internal struggle, like, to try to keep up and, you know what I mean? And, and it kind of oh, yeah. it kind of yeah. fucked it up and ruined it for me, honestly. Like, it, professional riding and, and almost riding to some degree, which, you know, I was gonna when you asked me that alcohol question because I knew it was coming. I was gonna kind of. I was almost going to say, like, it's the chicken and the egg thing, right? Like, did I turn to drinking because riding wasn't doing it for me anymore? Or did I... But but I don't think that's the case. Because it, it was pretty early. I was actually in a pretty good place when I started drinking. But I did start drinking more, I think, when I started to feel a little bit irrelevant from a riding standpoint. You know okay. what I mean? Like, yeah. I felt yeah. like I was just kind of falling behind. And it wasn't really doing it for me anymore. And I don't know... I know a lot of pro or former pro BMXers can relate to this or pro anything like when that when you lose that whatever it is that like whatever that drive is that pushes you to be good enough because I don't think it's never like oh I want to be a pro I want to get paid you know right like if you're 10 years old you say that but like when I was 16 17 15 I was never like oh I want to get sponsored I want to get paid I want to I was just doing my fucking thing and that stuff came to be and it was awesome but like when you lose whatever it is that pushes you to get to that level, like it's, it's the, it's a gnarly slap in the face. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, and it's a crazy void in your life. It really, it's like a, someone dies or something. You know what I mean? Like it's, I don't know. It's it's hard. You know, I th- I think very few people can relate. Honestly, it's it's, it's like losing. I don't know, like a husband or a wife or something. You know what I mean? Like it's just, once that passion or that fire is not there anymore, it's it's a real that fucking leaves a big gap and it, it's a it's a real mental and it's i mean i don't want to put words in your mouth but then you fill that gap with yeah, whatever's partying partying was fun and, yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 absolutely. at least i can have a good time yeah yeah totally um, but you know and, and it's again it's it's kind of like the post bmx career thing because you know right we're not football players we're not set for life you right know? so it's right. just like fuck what now well you had a brief stint uh riding for verde yeah which yeah, yeah. um i remember uh those guys calling me and they're like what do you think about Bennett mm-hmm. I'm like well shit I love Bennett like yeah. well do you think he'll like he'll ride he'll do his thing and I was like yeah I think yeah. so I mean what do you want from him they're like yeah. well I mean we just want him to be able to like shoot photos to go on trips and to do yeah, things yeah. like that and uh, 
I was like, yeah, you should be able to do that. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know if he's really into it. Yeah. Um, which might have not been fair to think that. Like, I, no, I, no, I didn't really know if you were into it or not. Pretty I'm accurate. Like, yeah. Oh, this is cool because he doesn't really have anything else going on. Yeah. Th- throw him a bone with Verde. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, I mean, I love Steve and Corey. Oh, me too. Yeah, and Will. Yeah, totally. And I was like, that. I mean, Bennett's a good friend of mine. I want him to like be a part of this brand. Yep. So I, I really, uh, I mean, I'm not saying I'm 100%. I think Brian Barrett had a lot to do with you getting on Verde yep, as well. Yep. But uh, I was like stoked when all that started yeah, happening. Yeah, me but too. It, it seems like. I wish it had lasted a long, little yeah, bit longer. Because uh, you were in that... Uh, I, mean, I wish I, I, I could have the... done more. You know what I mean? Like, I love those guys. And I, like I said, even back to the 2B days, like Steve's always been someone I've really looked up to. And Corey, obviously, I became really good friend. You know, Corey was in, uh, he was in the whole 1201 crew, and we judged a lot of stuff. Together. So I wish I would have done better for those guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> But that was I mean, a, the train had kind of left the station at that point, unfortunately, you know. Yeah, you were in that phase, and uh, I think you were on Verde, and you, you'd started working. Yeah, like, I had good intentions, but yeah. I think it was just too late, you know. Um, Square One was still going. Yeah. Um, you guys had the shop in the Pittsburgh, shop in, but yeah. it didn't really seem like that was, like, the main, the bread and butter. Like, uh, yeah. Eventually, you were working at like uh, Nakama, yeah, at, a, Nakama. at a Japanese restaurant. Yeah. Busboy, uh, yeah. Busboy, busboy. From yeah. like, um, that's a huge jump from like. Yeah, it was I, great. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, <laughs> no, no, no. Go. I'm kidding. I'm I, being funny, right? It's we can funny. joke about it now. I can. Right. Um, that's that's. What but I remember I'm... you telling me one time you're you're bussing tables at a restaurant. Yeah. And the X Games. The X Games were literally on television. On yeah. TV, and you're yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. wow, I'm bussing what tables. What the hell happened here? And, yeah. Uh, I, dude, I was 27, 28 years old, had a kid, you know, cleaning up shit off the tables. I mean, not that, whatever. Some people have to do that. That's yeah, fine. yeah. I mean, there's some no shame in that. But at the same time, it was just such a. Was there any type of point where, like, I don't want to call it like rock bottom, but was there like a point where you're like, shit, I need to get my no, shit back I mean, together? Honestly, honestly, I look at those days, you know, working in a comma, and I landscaped for a while. I think it was eight bucks an hour, and like. I look back and really appreciate those days because that was the first experience that I had with work. You know what I mean? Like, I came, I was sponsored in high school. Like, I came out of high school with a pay, again, not, I wasn't a football player or even what the guys are making now, but my bills were paid and I was just riding my bike having fun. You know what I mean? So, like, that was, at 28 years old, I was your typical 17, 18 year old kid, but like, in hindsight, I really appreciate those jobs and those times because that, that's kind of what really like shook me into the real world. You know what I mean? Those, those final years of kind of hanging on. I never wanted to be that guy that was fucking hanging on, right? Everybody sees that guy, you know, like, all right, man, hang it, go to college, would you? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I won't reveal the subject of that joke. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what I mean, though? You get I it. Do, I you do. see the yeah. guy. Everybody sees the guy that's hanging on. Don't hang, just get, get going. Go get a job. Um, and I was hanging on for a little bit there. I was, but are we good? We're good. Um, so that was kind of my like, all right, it's time to phase two of my life. You know what I mean? Um, and again, that, that void, it was a tough time. Don't get me wrong. Cause that void that I had mentioned had not really been filled, right? Like BMX is just, and you know, everybody says this, like BMX is my life. BMX is who I am. And to someone outside, that sounds kind of a cheesy thing, but anybody who lives it knows it, right? Like, that's, that's literally who you are. Yeah. And once that's gone and the, the, it's, it's not doing that for you anymore, it's, 
insane. Like, I can't explain how low, how much of an emotional low that is when it just doesn't. Because that, that's how I was. Like, it didn't do it for me anymore. And mm-hmm. I see guys now that it still does. You know, BFs, how old's Brian? Brian Foster's crushed. Like, it still clearly does it for him. It, it hasn't for me for a while. And I, and I hate saying that, and people might be bummed to hear it, but, like, I still love to do it. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's... It's my hobby now, but it's, it's nothing more, you know? It's not like you're defining thing. It's not my passion. It's not my life. It's not what I do. And uh, it took me a while to be okay with, with saying that, you know what I mean? Because it did define who I was, and it's all I gave a shit about for a really long time. So once that got not taken away from me, it just left some, for whatever reason, you mm-hmm. know? Um, that was a really tough thing. And, you know, there, there's there's this whole, like, sense of purpose and, you know, what am I doing? Like, I, I thought I was pretty fucking cool and important, and now I'm a busboy with a bunch of 17-year-old kids who have to, you know, they get to leave early because they have school in the morning, you know, so I got to stay late. Like, it was just a weird, weird time, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, I remember I had a, a friend, actually it was a friend of Denise's, mm-hmm. uh, come to the house. Uh, he was He was, like, just visiting from... Uh, I think he's from California or something, but he was he stopped at Nakama to eat. Mm-hmm. You didn't know him. He didn't, yeah. he knew who you were, yeah. but you didn't know him. And he's like, "Does Chris Bennett work at Nakama?" Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, "Yeah, he works down. He's worked down there for a little yeah, while yeah. now." And he's like, "Wow." Yeah, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, yeah, he's he's getting it together." Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> so yeah, I, I was for a while there though. I was like, "Man, what's Chris gonna do?" Yeah, you had just gotten married. You have a daughter. And I'm like, what's what's he, what's he gonna do? Me too, man. And then uh, <laughs> I was like, is he just gonna work at the bar? I mean, yeah. there's nothing. I mean, people do. Sure, it, right? There's nothing yeah. wrong with it. But um, at the oh, same I time, I wasn't. I was I was busting the tables. Uh, <laughs> I but, wasn't at the bar, you know. I mean, I was eventually. But but yeah. to us, you're like you're like Chris. Yeah, no, I got you absolutely. At, yeah. at what point were you like, fuck it? I'm gonna flip some houses. Yeah, nice. All right. I, li- I like how the conversation's gonna do an uptick. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, we can laugh about this stuff now because you're in a much, much better place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I think it was. I mean, it was just obviously I had never. Again, I never made much money, but I never struggled because I was a single dude living with four other dudes. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, I'm working at Nakama. I think I worked at Nakama and Landscaped at the same time. And I had a wife, I had a new kid, you know what I mean? And I was, like, my electric's getting shut off. Like, it was it was the actual struggle, you know, the struggle is real. That's yeah. the joke everybody says, but it was fucking pretty real, right? Um, getting eviction notice, you know, whatever. Jeez, yeah. Straight out of the movie. Um, so, yeah, I was like, something's got to change, man. Like, something, I got to do something. And uh, funny, funny reference back to Jim Winchell who had just recently, it's funny actually, because I was, so I, for a little bit there, I went back to doing some video work for Castillo, for Volume Demolition, started making videos, and, uh, you know, he paid me what making a video a month was able to pay someone, right, um, but I was like, okay, I, I can kind of do this video thing, and, you know, I had done Wide Awake Nightmare and a couple other videos, I was like, I can kind of do this video thing, and I knew Jim had dabbled in wedding videos for a little bit there, and, uh, I remember, I remember it like it was yesterday, I was, at, I was at Chipotle, and I always talk about this as like a very pivotal moment in my <laughs> life. I was in California, because, you know, Brian would fly me out once a month to like film and then edit a video. And I was at Chipotle with Castillo, eating, and uh, I texted Jim, and I had a conversation with my wife earlier in the night, like, you know, like, we gotta fucking do something here, this is getting pretty, 
pretty grim, you know. And uh, I texted Jim, I'm like, hey, man, who, who made your website for uh, wedding videos? I, th I think I want to get into that. Like, I need, I need to make some money. i got to do something. And I remember Jim being like, you don't want to make wedding videos. That, that's not the best use of your time. I'm like, okay. Hey, why are you talking like that? Like, that's just a weird thing to say. That's not the best use of your time, you know. But I've come to, I mean, now I say that all the time. Um, and he's like, I'm into this real estate stuff. I'm into this, you know, he's into all these, like, this, like, self-help stuff. Not, not like, rock-bottom self-help, but, like, motivational, Tony Robbins type shit. You know what I mean? And uh, he had gotten into it a few years prior. And he's like, I get into this stuff, man. Like, I'm doing real estate now. Blah, 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 this and that. And I remember I had texted him the whole night. It's like, all right, tell me more, tell me more, you know. And he sent me, like, a couple links to, like, some online audiobooks and shit like this. And I was like, wow, okay. And I went home and started reading all these books, got into real estate and, like, that. But it's funny because that text about, like, the, the, you know what I mean, like, the, the wedding videos, like, that's kind of what turned everything on its side. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll spare the, the, the shitty little details, but, like, I eventually... For about a year, I tried to, you know, get into real estate, get into, you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. I, I didn't have any money, I didn't have any credit, I had jack shit going for me, right? Um, no job experience, no, no college education, <laughs> like literally nothing. And uh, eventually, I got my father-in-law to let me use a credit line that he had to buy a house and, and to flip. And I did most of the work myself. With, with the help of uh, a buddy of mine. And, you know, it, it went about as bad as it could go, but I got through it. You almost lost a hand. Almost lost a hand, yeah. you know. You can, you can show the pictures. <laughs> um, I have them. But, no, I got done. I, I barely made any money, but it was, it, was, it was awesome, you know. Like, I liked the process. Like, it was, I think it was, like, that whole, and, you know, everybody's like, you're fucking crazy, what are you doing, this and that. But it was very... I have this whole other thing, and I don't want to go too long here, but, you know, I guess we can edit this later. Um, I, I really think that the BMX upbringing really set me up for, for where I am now and what I'm doing now. You know, it was just that whole, like, dive into it and say, screw it. Like, I literally just bought a house. I had no real estate experience, no construction experience. It's just like, I'm just going to, this is what I'm doing. This is, this, is what I'm, this is what I'm doing. I don't care. I'm doing it. I need to change. I got to do something, you know, so I did it. And I uh, almost lost my hand, flipped the house, sold it, made a little bit of money, um, everything. It went terrible, but, <laughs> but I was like, let's do this again. Like, I want to learn, and I want to go. And I remember my real estate agent at the time, he's like, you want, you want to do it again? I was like, yeah, yeah, I want to do this again. He's like, all right. <laughs> you just made it past, you know, 90% of people fall off right here, but you want to do it again. I'm like, yeah. Let's find another house. Well, yeah, to stumble that hard on your first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it sucked, you know. Like, yeah. and I was still bussing table. I think it was bar back, and by then I, I had been, you know, promoted. But you know, I was doing that at night, then waking up in the morning, and I, I did most of the hands-on work myself. Which Cameron will tell you, I suck at the hands-on work. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but you know, I got through it. Like, and it really gave me. It was awesome because it gave me like this. You know, I, I felt a sense of purpose again, right? And I felt like a fire to do something and to achieve something. So, like, it, it gave me back a lot of what was missing ever since kind of the BMX thing fizzled or dwindled or whatever you want to call it, you know? Um, so, yeah, I did it again. My second house actually went really smoothly. Uh, one, of the, one of the smoothest to date, actually. And after that one, 
I bought two more, and then I did four, and you know, eventually somewhere in there, I, I was able to quit, you know, the the, the, the busing job. So the snowballs just rolling down. The yeah, the snowballs started rolling down. You know, um, just doing more and more houses, and you know, fast forward to now, and, that, and that's what we're doing. How long have you been doing that now? How many uh, years? Coming up on ten years. Ten years. Yeah. yeah. And you have uh, there's your property development group is called K Bennett. It's K Bennett Development Group. Development Group. Okay. Um, and you also have a, a, a real estate brokerage. A real estate brokerage called LifeSpace Pittsburgh. And a brokerage is just like a real estate. A lot of people, surprisingly, people don't know what that is. But it's like a, like a Remax, you know, Coldwell Banker. It's just like a boutique version. Boutique is kind of the buzzword, but mm -hmm. it's a small local boutique version of that. So, yeah, I think we have 10 agents now um, at, our, at our brokerage. And K Bennett Development Group, we have three full-time employees but we we subcontract all the work out we actually you know what i mean um yeah it's probably for the best that you don't do any of the work yeah no 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 they, they wouldn't let me if i tried at this point <laughs> but i think i mean we have close to 20 projects i think that we're that we're managing right now that we're you know in-house pro you know, properties that we own that we're rehabbing and, and reselling so it's gotten pretty pretty involved but it, it definitely gives me that whole sense of purpose back <laughs> that was missing for a while there. Well, know? that's kind of why I wanted to interview you uh, yeah, yeah. As, as like the first guy because you've ridden the wave, you've been down on your luck, yep, yep. and now you're up. Yep. And uh, it's not even like about like success or money. It's just sure. about, like you said, filling that void that you had for that, that passion that you had for BMX and being able to apply it to something else. And, right, and right. And that's, I, yeah, sorry to... Um, that's what I get asked all the time. Like, you know, how how do you do life after? Life after regular professional sports is easier because you have a shitload of money, right? But how do you do life after a professional sport where you don't make millions of dollars, mm -hmm. right? Like, that's how do you do it, right? And I don't know that I have the formula, but my my advice is just to find something else. You know, that whatever made you a professional bike rider, whatever that is, that's applicable in many different ways. You know what I mean? Like, that is a rare quality that most people don't have, right? Like, most people didn't become a BMX or a skater professionally. And whatever whatever's in you that made you able to do that, whether it's just, like, a passion or a drive or just, just a fucking... Just to recognize that you love something enough to just make it your life. And yeah. Again, it was never my intention to get a paycheck to ride a bike, but there was something in me yeah, that, that, that allowed me to engulf myself in bike riding so much that that was just kind of the byproduct. You know what I mean? So if you can apply that elsewhere, the sky, you know, you can do whatever the hell you want. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? That, that's applicable. <coughs> but I feel like it's a shame that, that, that a lot of people fall short. You know, they don't realize that they can. I, I hear all this like, oh, that, that was fun. Now it's time for the real world. You know, and it's like, like I enjoy my life now just as much as I did when I got paid money to travel the world and ride a bike. You know? Mm -hmm. I have kids. I ride with my kids. I work with everybody that works for me is my friend. Like it's it's great. You know what I mean? Like it. No, it doesn't have to be. That was awesome. Now life sucks from here on out. <laughs> you know what I mean? I yeah. think that's kind of like the miss. You know that that's what people think. But I, whatever you had that gave you that awesome first life, figure out a way to reapply it and and make the rest of your life just as good, if not better. You know. And that's great. You like that? That was perfect. <laughs> uh, uh, about to make me tear up. Over no, here. Hey, go for it. Um, 
it sucks that you're still really good at riding bikes. <laughs> why does that suck? Because <laughs> A, am I? <laughs> but B, if so, why does that suck? Because <laughs> uh, I, I kind of want you to not be good at it. <laughs> I'm just like... I appreciate that. Because I ride a lot. I, I, tr I try to ride a lot. I ride more than you. Yeah, yeah. And like, you'll show up like, yeah, I haven't ridden my bike in six months. And then you're just like, good at it still. I'm like, son of a bitch, it's still good at it. I guess I shouldn't say it sucks. It's like a funny, like, no, between funny friends. Sucks. No, I got you. Um, uh, we should end it there because um, that's perfect. That's like a perfect ending. Nice that's, message. Hey man, but do. I, uh, one thing I forgot to talk about is you were almost a reality star. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that's your right. reality television show. That's right. Um, you had a pilot. Was it on Annie? HGTV. HGTV about uh, flipping, flipping homes houses, yeah. in Pittsburgh. Yes. What was it called? It was called... Uh, Steel City Rehab. Steel City Rehab. Yeah. Um, does the... Pilot still exists online anywhere? It does. It's it's a Vimeo link that has a password. Oh, okay. So it's a private link. I will, if anybody knows me and wants to see it, I'll, I'll gladly share. I don't necessarily want to blast it out. Okay. But I thought it was great. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. I thought it was great. Um, it aired, I think it aired two or three times. It was, what was that last year or the year before? No, it was last, April of 2017, I think. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, your co-star. Yeah, Cameron, Number, yeah. Cameron too. That mustache is insane. Thank you, Thank you very much. It keeps like drawing my eyes to it. Um, well, yeah, I guess uh, we can just end it with that. I mean, that was that was perfect. I think we covered a lot of bases. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, we've been that. talking for almost two hours now. Oh, nice, nice. So, uh, thanks a lot. Thanks for being uh, my first uh, interview subject. Yeah, here. I hope I hope people I hope it was interesting enough to you know. Well, we'll cut out the boring parts. Okay. <laughs> It'll be about twenty minutes long by the time yeah. you're done. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thanks a lot. Yep. Hope you guys enjoyed this.